Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Indeed, he lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. There was uh, an awful altercation at a funeral above in Chum in County Galway yesterday. Feuding clans, apparently. Two clans, they call them, from the town. In fact, some at the funeral had to be airlifted to descend it into an absolute brawl. Um, I think there were stab wounds and slash wounds as well. Makes the front page of the mirror today. Seven hurt in funeral bloodbath. Mass brawl in graveyard over a long-running feud. And some people who were injured were choppered to hospital. Meanwhile, I've seen additional footage now of the uh, serious uh, car crash on the Cathedral Road, which happened when we were on air yesterday morning. And, and Stephen called in with um, uh, an eyewitness report on it. Thanks be to God there were no pedestrians or anybody walking on the footpaths at the time because there would have been serious injury if not death because I've seen more video footage now of the car and I have to say it it was travelling at speed it really was and two people were taken to hospital yesterday when it flipped and all the emergency services were there happened around about 10 o'clock yesterday morning the echo pick up on the story this morning but the schools dominate many and while many parents might be happy with the changes from next Monday I can tell you that principals and indeed teachers are not like the Times this morning says from Monday um, they will ease close contact rules for primary schools, for childcare facilities. Um, now, teachers and unions of teachers are calling for that to be delayed. But from Monday, if it's not delayed, children under 13, even if they're close contacts of confirmed COVID cases in schools or in childcare facilities, won't have to self-isolate and won't have to stay at home. That would change from Monday. In fact, Skull Padre Pio's principal, Ken Foley, makes the echo today, is saying that he's shocked at these frightening uh, changes. So, um, inevitably, they're saying, like the Independent picks up and says that this new COVID advice will see cases rise. And they feature that on the front of the paper this morning. Uh, COVID positive cases rising because of the changes next week. Then, uh, because of our rental issues, I was going to say crisis, but a crisis kind of comes and goes, doesn't it? Rental has always been an issue and house prices has always been an issue and the ever-increasing rents in Cork has been an ongoing issue for, for many years. Never as bad, I'd acknowledge that, all right. But the Echo says that some third-level students in Cork have to commute five hours a day to and from, say, the likes of the MTU or, or UCC because they just can't pay the extortionate rent prices in the city. So they're busting it instead. And, um, you know, as people kind of, I suppose, more like traipse back to the office, it's just kind of trickled back to the office. The star this morning is saying that they've got some study out saying that the end of COVID restrictions will see the vast majority of people you know, Irish workers going back to the offices and workspaces, but it will be over the next 12 months. It's not as if you could, I mean, I haven't noticed a whole change really in the last week, 10 days or fortnight to be, I mean, you do see a big increase in traffic and I wonder if if that's as a result of more people uh, going back to work or I don't know what the case may be. I suppose over the next 12 months, you probably will tell an awful lot they're saying, but certainly not in the next 10 weeks or anything like that. But they are thinking about, you know, the number 10 features in the examiner this morning. I was telling you earlier in the week that they were looking at uh, some way of giving some kind of a bonus uh, to frontline staff who who really uh, worked down to the wire over the past, uh, you know, certainly 18 months. And they're talking about 10 days extra leave now for HSE staff. I mean, there would be a huge bill to be paid on that one. You'd be talking about upwards of nearly 380 million uh, to pay for it, the cost of 10 days extra leave for HSE staff. And the papers this morning also talk of maternity wards and, 
people uh, who are, uh, you know, women who are pregnant and uh, going in f- for childbirth or, or indeed for appointments or, or scans and what have you. I mean, you still have maternity hospitals that are slightly rogue on the matter, you know, where you have maternity units continuing to have limits on access to partners, even though... Even though Tony Hoolan came out and said that there was no public health grounds for any restrictions now with regards to dads at births. So they're thinking now that one way to sort this out is to, is to classify dads as essential accompanying persons. And apparently they say that that make, might make all of the difference. Uh, crime, crime on Lee side is something we've been dealing with uh, a lot uh, over the past few days. In fact, uh, the chief super Barry McPoland says that the rise in crime on Lee side is actually quite indicative of one thing, a return to normality. But there's an interesting court case in the Echo today uh, where a drop of blood from a syringe actually fell on top of a uh, the counter of a shop, uh, there was um, kind of a multi-raid going on where one of the raiders threatened to stab the, stab the shopkeeper in a spree of crimes carried out by two brothers. They were the uh, the Rice brothers, living in a ho- hostel accommodation for the homeless in Cork City at the time. Uh, and they documented in the Echo today <coughs> four of their crimes all in the one day. One was uh, on the North Main Street, followed by Douglas Street, followed by Washington Street and Shandon Street, where in one of the shops, one of them held the syringe and demanded the contents of the tail, shouting, I'm not looking for no trouble. I don't want to use the dirty pin. Just open it, open it, as in the till. And then a drop of blood fell onto the counter. Could you imagine uh, dealing with that when you go to work of a morning? And there's uh, some great news on Leeside. Um, we have uh, more awards out this morning and the mail picks up on it. It's the uh, awards for the Great Taste Awards of Ireland. 14,000 companies entered for this from 108 uh, countries. Um, and only a small, tiny percentage of them actually even receive three stars. And the great news on Lee's side is that Velo Coffee has scooped an award for their Velo Morning Fixie Coffee. And that's a company on, here on Lee's side that start, started, and I suppose to a large extent is, um, you know, the nucleus of it is on George's Key, but you'll find their coffee in many, many supermarkets now. And it's great coffee, whether it's ground or whether it's beans or what have you. A three-star winner, which is which is great, great news. It's great to be represented in there. Um, meanwhile, they're talking about Garth Brooks on the news there at nine o'clock. Will it be three gigs? Will it be five gigs? Apparently, Aiken Promotions want to sit down and talk to the residents around Crow Park to see if they can get them on site. And quite alarmingly, um, the uh, director of the new James Bond 007 film, No Time to Die, has been looking back at old James Bond films. And in the mail this morning, the director says that if you look at the 1965 film Thunderball, um, he says James Bond, Sean Connery as James Bond, was a rapist. Um, I can't recall the different Bond movies, but it does deal with Bond meeting a woman who rejects his advances pushes him away when he forcibly kisses her. So that's a story in the mail today. Bond uh, was a rapist. And also, um, you know, you know, you talk about uh, words that are no longer acceptable, uh, particularly words, say, for instance, in sport. Um, it, cricket now makes the newspapers because the Times on its front page, English Times on its front page this morning saying it's no longer acceptable to use the term batsman. Uh, so the batsman's been retired from cricket and replaced with the gender-neutral alternative batter. Uh, the batter. 
papers also this morning. I um, have a lovely article with uh, Graham Norton who says he had a look because of COVID. He, he was mad keen to start doing less before COVID and was thinking of retiring. But of course, COVID and restrictions and lockdowns hit. And he said that he had a good look and a preview of retirement during COVID and he didn't like it, which is great news for all of us because we don't want him to like it. And then there are others who came out of retirement. And of course, that would be the ABBA. Um, they're saying they're releasing new material for sure in the mirror this morning, but not enough material for a third Mamma Mia film. For those of you who've watched one and two, you'll be disappointed. I can't comment because I ain't seen neither of them. Uh, but uh, they have a new song out, actually. Uh, and I've listened to half of it. I'm kind of wishy-washy about it, to be honest with you. I was kind of li- only listened to it in preview this morning. So I haven't listened to the whole ABBA song. I'm happy to play it if you guys want it. It's no Waterloo. It's no Dancing Queen. It's no Mamma Mia. Um, but it ain't up to me. There's a lovely supplement making the mirror this morning, which is a lovely four-page pullout if you're a fan of... Six pages, I should say. A fan of the ABBA. Pictures after pictures, black and whites and colours of ABBA over the past 40 years. Uh, if you're an ABBA fan, then the mirror is certainly a buyer for you today. And also, don't worry if the kids don't like broccoli. It's not their fault. It has all got to do with the bacteria in their mouth. It actually doesn't really. It just has to do with it's hard to get kids to eat vegetables, isn't it? They're not the most interesting thing on the plate. It takes years, actually, for all of us to acquire a love of vegetables. But if they were sexied up a bit or dickied up a bit, it might go some way to get kids to eat broccoli or sprouts or carrots. or I mean, what the heck? You're boiling it in hot water and you're serving it to them. Give me a break. The Neil Prendeville Show. It's open at one 106 You can text 0868-104-106 and pick up the phone on one 106 Natalie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well, thanks. And I know you had a fairly scary and traumatic experience with um, with different taxi drivers. It was last Thursday night. You know, just ahead of that, do you mind me asking, you were really looking forward to a night out. Was it a work thing you were going to? Yes, yeah. I was on my work night out. I hadn't been out with the girls in so long. Um, I haven't been in town in 18 months. And what, so, was, what um, was that like, you know, not, not having met your workmates for so long, not being in town for a year and a half? You were coming in from Ballancolic. Was it weird? Yeah, it was so weird. Like, we didn't know what to expect, obviously. Like, they were so good entering the pub and everything with masks and COVID certs and everything and seeing everyone. We didn't even know if we should hug each other, that kind of thing, you know? <laughs> I guess not. Um, yeah. Best not you're to. You're kind of like tiptoeing around people at the beginning and then kind of, I suppose, a drink or two later, I suppose, it's all fine. Yeah, like, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were um, you, were you no, indoors no, like, or outdoors in Reardon's? It was indoors, it was upstairs in one of the rooms, so we kind of had our own private area. And you had know? you lost the ability to chat or gossip or, you know, you know, because you've been out of, you'd, you'd have been out of um, practice for a long time. Yeah, like, I mean, it was a bit weird, you'd be kind of having a conversation with somebody and then you'd be thinking it's not as normal, you know, you'd be able to have the banter <laughs> before and... But you get into the swing of things when you have a couple of chats with people. Yeah, but, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was just a bit weird being in a big, huge group of people because there were so many of us. And I wasn't used to that, especially because my baby's only 10 months old. So, like, we're kind of having the pandemic babies and then being out with all these people oh, at once is kind yeah, of scary. Yeah, like, yeah. So lots of baby chats, so I suppose, on Thursday night. Oh, lots of baby chats. So that's what takes over then. <laughs> so you had a great night, but you didn't want to stay too late because of the baby, of course. And we're, and, and I suppose... It's it's kind of a school day and a work day on Friday. So what happened? Yeah, so look, um, my other son is four. I have the school one with him first thing every morning, obviously. So this was a Thursday night. So I went out. I had a great night. I was only out at about half six or seven. And I just said that I'd make a conscious decision to head away early that I'd get a taxi. 
Um, I think I left at about half ten. Half ten, yeah. Um, got onto Washington Street. There was no taxis to be got. I wasn't sure how things worked. These and usually you would walking. see, usually you would see uh, a row of them there on Washington Street, wouldn't yeah, you? Usually yeah, usually there would be no, unless they were just gone. I don't know. There was none there anyway. Um, so I just kept walking, and I always know that the taxi stand is outside Hillbillies there. So was I it lashing? I think it was. Was it? It was lashing, raining. Yeah. So I didn't even actually have a hood. I had my jacket over my head. So I started running over towards the line of taxis. And I was thinking, happy days now. First in, out the gap, I'll be out home and all in 20 minutes. Yeah. So I opened the first car door. And the first thing he said to me was, um, this is cash only. Have you cash? And I said, no. Oh, my God. I said, I don't have any cash. So he said, sorry, no, you're not getting in. So I was like, wow, OK, that was a bit ignorant. So I was like, I'll move on yeah. into the second taxi. Same scenario. It was like, sorry, have you cash? I said, no. He said, this is ca- or, yeah, this is cash only. And I said, okay, if I have only card, please, will you accept it? And he said, no, not tonight. So I went down to the third taxi and the fourth taxi. That was four taxis in a row. I started getting really nervous. It was lashing raining. And I just was thinking, am I actually going to get home? Am I going to have to call my partner or my dad, you know, to get them out of bed? Yeah. So I was like, right, this is it now. If I ask the fifth taxi, he won't take me. I'll either find an ATM and get cash, which I don't want to do because it was about quarter to 11. I'm a young woman on her own yeah. going to an ATM. I'd feel vulnerable going yeah, there, you 100%. know, especially in the rain. You'd be nervous, 100%. Yeah. So I shouldn't have to do that when I have a card. And yeah. what I did notice is when I opened all those taxi doors, they had card readers in there, so they could have accepted the cards. And did you say that to any of the four? Why won't you take cash? Oh, I did. They just said, it's cash tonight. You're not... Um, we're not accepting cards and I just said look that's all I have and he said you're not getting into the taxi I didn't want to push it I didn't know what they were playing at really to be honest so by the time I got the fifth taxi I had tears in my eyes and I just got in I was shaking and I said please are you going to accept my card so he obviously seen me going from all these taxis opening the doors and closing them um, and then he said yeah of course I'll accept you why wouldn't I so the relief then flooded in and I jumped in and he just said, where to? And I said, Dan Collig. And he, when I was telling him the story, then they wouldn't accept me. He just was dumbfounded as if to say, why wouldn't they accept you when that's a handy fare out there? Like, that's 20, 25 euro. So he was like, I'm delighted with the fare. Thanks so much. So there was no issue with that man then. Did he but say not- Did he say that he had heard of that kind of carry on before? Yeah, yeah. He knew about it. He said it's happening all the time. And I just didn't understand how it was happening. Like, so, I mean... I, I obviously time. know that they're not putting it on the books that they either work for somebody or a company and they're happy to pocket the cash and up quicker and easier money for them. But is that allowed? Like, especially with four taxis in a row. Okay. Um, you didn't at any stage get the uh, license number or their ask for their taxi license number, no? It didn't even enter my head, Neil. I just. They all have PSV home. license but numbers, you know? Yeah, and I mean, going forward for anybody listening, if it happened, I would be like, just get a quick look at their ID so that you know what company they're with, at least so that you can call them. And the more that it's known out there, at least if people are forward and something to be Actually, done look, I know that like, hindsight is a fine thing. You were soaking wet and it was late at night and you were wet. clearly yeah. very worried and you had two small babies at home. You wanted to get home. Um, and he didn't say anything about the reason I mean remember you said that it's cash only tonight is it do you think that it's something that happens on busy weekend nights or there are characters at it all the time I mean this was a Thursday so it wasn't even like it was a Saturday or anything like so 
I don't know why, he, I don't know if that's just the way that he says things. Like, that was one taxi man, for instance. The other was just saying, card only, or no card, no card. And the other guy goes, if you've no cash, you're not getting in. You know, so it was just different ways of putting it, but... I just couldn't believe there was four in a row. And without wanting to be seemed racist, let me ask you about all of them. Were, were all of them cork drivers or were there some, like, number one, where was he from? So, I don't know where they were all from, but I do know that there was definitely one Irishman in there. I, I could pinpoint him to Cork, I suppose. Um, the other two or three were more than likely foreign. There was, you know, um, so, not that I'm pinpointing foreign to Irish, but there was a mix of both. Okay, so it was both. It was both local and overseas drivers who are now working here for a living. All of them, yeah, the four exactly, of them were at it. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't anything exclusively Cork or non-Cork. It was all cash only, not tonight. We've calls in yeah. with taxi drivers pending this conversation with you, but clearly, uh, nobody could stand over it because um, that, I imagine you might you certainly would get a warning um, you might even lose your license over something like that you know because it oh, is 100% it I mean, is, I've been speaking with my dad with other colleagues with friends and they are just so surprised that I'm telling them this yeah. they were like in Cork you know and I was like look it's my first time coming across it I hope there's not many people out there coming across it but I, I bet there is I bet there's a lot of people well you you know you ultimately could have had to walk in the rain and in the dark to an ATM machine and I'm hearing stories of how unsafe it is in the city at night and none of us would want anybody I mean I'm a, I'm, I'm a parent I wouldn't want my daughter in the scenario you found yourself in to be honest yeah, with you yeah and like I'm thinking about there was an ATM across the way I know that that there's one there at the start of all of Plunkett Street on that side of the Grand Parade. So look, let's say that was not working, if that was out of order, where would I be going then? And then, like, my dad actually lives closer to town than I do. So as I said, I'm in Balancholic. Maybe did I, would I have walked out his direction to get, try and flag a taxi? Who knows? Like, the rain was coming down. You don't know what you do in those scenarios, you know? I bet you we'll get other calls on the back of this one where four, the first four of them said, not tonight, cash only. Um, I mean, if yeah. it were down to me, I'd take their licenses off them. But let's, let's find out if other people have had similar scenarios. Did it spoil the night for you? Look, it didn't. I had a fantastic night. Everything up until that point was great. I did have a little breakdown in the taxi on the way back. The taxi man's name was Philip. I'm sure he thought I was going off my game. I was having tearful moments. Yeah. And he was saying, no, 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 it's fine. You know, I'd say he was thinking, but they say, I'll never get out of my taxi. I know, I mean, it's it's just not on. It's it's a public service vehicle. Like, this is just not exactly. on, you know. you got to take no. customers. Like, it's bad enough to say to you, where are you going? It's not far enough. But, like, not even asking you where you're going and just saying cash not only. Not even asking me. As I said, it was a handy fare out this direction. So. And I think Philip was with the co-op, was he? Yeah, he, I asked him. He was at the Washington Street co-op. Well so I, I made sure to ask him that just to acknowledge that he was like, there was no bother with him. Um, okay. So, I mean, it's just disgraceful. Okay, well, let's find out if anybody else has had a similar scenario or situation like that. And also um, get the response of taxi drivers as to why this is happening and how much of it is going on and see if we can stamp it out. Listen, yeah, I'd be very interested. Thanks, thanks so, so much. much for taking the call. Um, What's it like having a pandemic baby? Not a whole lot of not a whole lot of celebrating yet anyway. It's crazy. Crazy on me. I need to get out and have a plenty of coffees and plenty of chats with my friends. And catch up with all your mates and your buddies and that. Okay. That's it. Cheers, yeah, Natalie. Exactly. Thanks for taking the call. Thank Cheers. you, Neil. Bye. 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 Anybody else with any experiences like that? Text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Text 0868104106. Will Griffin is with the Cork Taxi Council, joins me by phone. Will, good morning. Morning. Morning, Neil. Why on, morning, uh, on a Thursday uh, night? Are you on speakerphone there, Anthony? I I no. 
No. Okay, so bad echo there. Why on a on a Thursday night, half past ten, rainy night, a girl on her own would be told by four taxi drivers in a row that they would not take her home to Ballancolig unless she paid cash? Well, I tell you now, Neil, uh, I can't condone it, but it's happening nationally. My daughter had the same incident in Galway over the summer. Four taxi drivers and none of them would take her. Eventually, she did get to the seven euro trip, but she actually she actually gave a tip. She gave a tip. No, there is a problem with that phone line. Uh, I knew it from the off. I'll try and clean it up and come back again in a few minutes' time if I can. Um, this um, this is four taxi drivers in a row who wouldn't take her um, because they were only taking cash. Uh, which means that uh, this is a guard matter, really. It, it really is. It, it is a safety matter. It is a guard matter. It is an issue involving somebody who's licensed and has a public service vehicle license uh, to collect fares. I mean, it's bad enough you hear in the past of people not getting taxis because uh, the taxi driver says, your distance isn't far enough. It's not worth my while. Uh, I'm also hearing more and more stories of people who just can't get taxis full stop. But as soon as I can clean that line up, I will come back to it again. Jer, good morning. Okay, did you hear that conversation with Natalie? Does that surprise you that that's what's going on? Not surprised me at all, Neil. To be honest, I, I had a terrible incident there two weeks, three weeks ago. Uh, got a taxi from uh, Grand Parade to Mahan, and on arrival, he demanded cash. And I said, I have a card. He said, no, cash. And I said, the ATM is in Blackrock Road. I said, you turn off to meet her. I think the fare was 16 euro. He said, no, I leave to meet her on. And uh, to be probably an extra four euro, and I refused. Did he have a and card I, reader in the? Was it a taxi? He had a card reader. He has. He, he every facility available, but uh, there's just greed. And uh, this particular driver, last weekend, uh, the same driver approached him. He says, "You're not getting into my car." So I moved on and entered the taxi behind, and he proceeded to come back and tell the driver uh, not to take me and. The guards were calmed. There was an incident in Grand Parade. I said, look, uh, I, I've cashed tonight. This driver, he was Pakistani. Uh, I'm not racist, but he's a weasel. And um, Well, I mean, they're strong yeah, words to use, but anyway. Well, yeah, a, a greedy weasel. That's what I call him, yeah. And I said, look, uh, I'm, I'm going to charge you for defamation. You're after slandering my character in front of public. And I said, I'll do my best to get you deported from Ireland. And he walked back to his car. You can't be going. Uh, you can't be going around threatening people. No matter what happens to you, you can't be going around threatening well, people with deportation. He was you know? me. He was, uh, he yeah. Was, well, I mean, the most you should be saying is, "I'm going to report you to the guards and also to well, the." Well, the guards he were called and submitted yeah. a statement, and they, they said they'd follow up the complaint. You know, the complaint um, being what. You, him telling his buddy not to take you in the taxi. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, uh, that but you know, when you were in the taxi the first time and he drove you from the Grand Parade to Mahan and asked for sixteen euro, you said there was a card reader for a credit or a debit card. Did you not ask him why he wouldn't use it? I did. He said no, it's cash only. He just demanded cash from me, which is wrong. But the meter no, was running, wasn't it? It's the same on the buses. Like I, I, I went into a bus with a cab and, and the, the public transport service haven't accepted cabs. I just don't know what's wrong with the system, you know? But it's total demise in society. You, but you say you get on a public bus, you can't... Can you use an ATM card on a bus? 
can to use my debit card on the bus. Could, could you before? Yeah. I could. I worked on C- with CIE, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, like CIE are hardly on the fiddle now, in fairness, but I'm just wondering whether taxi it's drivers are on the fiddle. transport company now, yeah, but... Yeah. The point I'm making is the whole system is in disarray. There's no card reader on the bus. What happened uh, in Mahan when you didn't have the cash? Did he take you to an ATM? I got out of the car. I says, I'm not paying you extra. I says, if you turn off to me, or drive me to the ATM and home again, I'll give you the 16 euro. And he refused point blank. And I got out of the car and slammed the door and left him there. And he was blowing the horn and everything else. And I just got annoyed with him, you know? Okay, so there was no fair paid. I, I, well, I wouldn't pay the extra. I, I offered him to pay the 16 euro with his card reader yeah. and he refused. And he wanted an extra four or five euro to go to the, or four euro. What to an idiot. Like, did he not say, did he say the card reader's broken or anything? No, it's happening. It's, it's widespread made. It's just pure greed. It's piracy. It's taxi piracy. That's what it is in the city. And it's nationwide. It's okay. the same. Okay. And when oh. the guards were called the second time then, uh, how did that end up? Well, the, the, it's, it's up to the driver. He, he was done. The driver behind was done with this packy driver. Ah, stop. I'm going to cut. Listen, I'll, I'll leave it at that, Chair, because I don't like terminology. Listen, I'm not being rude to you or anything, to be quite honest with you. Against this weasel. No, but, like, I know, but the, the words you're using are racist, and, uh, and, and I, I can't tolerate No, no, the, the P-A-K-I word is, is a racist word. Look, I'm not, I'm not being rude to you. I'm just going to move on. We've, we, no, we've covered it, we've covered it, we've covered it, we've covered it. And I think you had an opportunity to tell your story and I do appreciate it. Will, is that any better that phone line? Yeah, it seems to be a small bit better there. Uh, okay, the, um, okay. You were okay, we'll come back to Cork, but let let me just finish the story regarding your daughter anyway, Will. Yeah, basically uh, she got she got a trip in Salt Hill into the city. It was only seven euro fare. Uh, she was refused by four taxis. And um it was pointed out to her the following day on a, s- a similar trip that um she was actually charged double the night before by the guy that actually took her. He, he charged her double. But How that happened? Did, what did it say on the meter, incidentally? Uh, it was seven euros. And she paid him? Uh, he, he, she didn't even look at the meter the first time when they went home. No, she doesn't drink or smoke and neither does her boyfriend. It was the one of the first trips away. You know, so it's, it is happening nationally. Um, I just wanted to point. I know that that's uh, being that's overcharged. These are taxi drivers in Cork. Let's stick to the point here. Four in a yeah, row. She was refused. She was refused four in a row. Neil, exactly the same. My daughter, exactly. The if same she same wouldn't same. pay cash, something along those lines. Yes. Why? Why are the Why are the taxi drivers in Cork only asking for cash, but still running the meter? You see, the thing is, you have to run the meter, Neil. And the thing is, this is what I wanted to point out. We, uh, first of all, I just wanted to say that uh, Bobby is our spokesman in the taxi council, and he asked me to represent him this morning. I just That's want to that. clarify yeah. that. Okay, well done. No, no I, I discussed it with Bobby, and Bobby, uh, as you know, was on the National Council, and we were pushing for mandatory card readers across the fleet. But it's not, it's not mandatory yet, so people can request cash. Does that clarify some some bit of... She said uh, that she issue? saw card readers in all of the taxis. Did Yes, yes. That's a fact. I know it myself. Um, I, I can't condone what actually happened to her. Maybe they just wanted cash on the night so their time or their cash limit was up. You know? Their what? So the thing, their cash limit. What does that only, mean? You see, you see anybody that's on the PUP... 
anybody that's receiving PUP assistance yes. uh, can only can only earn one hundred and twenty euro per week or four hundred and eighty per month. Oh, so if they reach a limit on a night using the card, they'll stop taking cards then. So it won't affect their pup if they only take cash, is it? Correct. Okay. And uh does do you condone that? No. I don't condone it. I'm off myself since last March. You know, I do want so I, I, so are, are you saying to me the reason this is happening where people like this was half past 10 on a wet, dark, cold, rainy night where a young mother went from the from Reardon's, couldn't get a taxi, walked down Washington Street all the way down to the Grand Parade, car after car after car after car until the point that she was crying, refused to take her. You're saying the reason for that is um, they're on a pop fiddle. If, 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 and I, I think there are a number of cases coming before the court at the moment for people who are, we say, um, on the fiddle. That's the reason why they're doing it. It's a fiddle. I would, ima- I would imagine simply, I would imagine, I, I'd say every taxi driver. No. I lost you there. You're saying what? You imagine every taxi driver what? I would imagine that they would know that, like, that we have a limit. Like, pensioners did not receive any PUP. They, did, they didn't get any assistance whatsoever. So they can earn what they like. But if you, if you were on the PUP, if you were under the pensioner's age and you received PUP of between 203 euro and 350 euro, which has now mostly been reduced to 200 yes, euro. Yes, yes, I know that. You, you were entitled to go out and earn 120 a week. No, there was no increase since the, the, the 50 euro was taken back. There was no increase. Okay, the so the 120 is the limit that they can earn uh, a week. A week. But if they're taking cash, then of course nobody's going to know because there's no trace of it. Okay, and and what and what what's going to happen? Is this going to be tolerated that more and more people at late at night, particularly say women on their own, won't be able to get into a taxi because they don't well, as have I cash? Say, it's not mand- it is coming in, but it's not mandatory as yet. You can you can either pay cash or card. Now we're looking for card across the board. So that all well, let's assume that there were cards in all of these cars because she said there were. How, you know, can can? Yeah, but it's not. It, 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 but it's not mandatory. They don't. They, they can refuse. They, they have refused. And I'd imagine if she rang the NTA and complained about it, they could do nothing about it. I would imagine. Oh, so yeah. they're in. So taxi drivers are entitled to say cash only. And at the moment, I would imagine yes. I'm, I'm open to correction, but I would imagine yes. Uh, if it's not mandatory, it's not mandatory. So why then would they put in card readers in the taxis and say cash only? If it's not because a fiddle. the thing is, you needed card readers for working for certain companies. I, I, like uh, Free No, you have to have a card reader. You know? Uh, I think the reason why the lad in the co-op, he was, he was with a company. Maybe the other lads were with Free No, Something along those lines. And they only take cash, is it? See, I don't know. I, I, I just want. I don't know either. I don't like, as I said, um, like I've been off myself since last March, and um, last March twelve months. You know, um, even even the ranks, the ranks as such, there which we were we were telling the and the police were behind us as well regarding the ranks in Washington Street. But I believe at the cable end of Chambers, there's a rank gone in there for two or three, four cars. Yeah, I mean, I did hear another, other stories then of people in the city at the weekend um, just literally walking around town, walking around town for 
something like an hour, perhaps two hours at one in the morning trying to get taxis and not being able to get taxis. There were no taxis. They'd call the taxi numbers and were told nothing we can do about it. We're booked out till four in the morning. In fact, uh, you know, uh, they eventually, in one, in one particular case, this lad had to ring home and get his parents to come in and get him. There seems to be even a shortage of taxis. There is, Neil, and the thing is, out of the 22,000 uh, taxis nationwide, there is maybe 8,000 still off. Okay, okay, okay. And I can tell you now, whatever about half past ten at night and one o'clock in the morning, I've had friends who can't even get a free no taxi between six and seven going to town. They just seem to be... Six and seven in the evening. But they get back. Yes, oh yes, I've had people with, 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 we say, taxis just haven't turned up with the likes of free no, they just didn't turn up. And why won't, why aren't all of the taxis back working on Leaside? What's, what's stopping them? Well, the thing is, there has been there has been a bit of a pickup, you know. And uh, on top of that, too, it's very worrying. Uh, I lost a friend to COVID after like eight days. The, the lady was perfect eight days eight days ago, and she died yesterday. Sorry to hear that. You think the drivers are slow to come back because of health reasons? It's very worrying, Neil. Like the people don't understand. The, there are more people over seventy-five driving taxis than there are between twenty-five and thirty-five in this country. That's a fact. Okay, okay. I just okay, but with regards to cash only, um, it. I mean, it still strikes me, regardless of what you're saying. I appreciate what it's you're terrible, saying. Neil, Neil is, is terrible. There's no doubt about it. As I said, Bobby was going mad there, over it. Is that there is no. My it. point is, there is no justifiable reason to be saying this to people without a valid excuse, and there doesn't seem to be a valid excuse to me. No, but what I would suggest is like what you suggested yourself, and um, the lady is like everyone has a phone. Don't even contest the driver. Just take a photograph of the actual um, the roof sign or even the the actual reg- car registration, and then you. It's a free call to the NTA. Now his license won't be taken, but he will be fined. Now I I would think that if even she just turned on a flash and, and took an imaginary fo- uh, photograph of the car in front, I guarantee you the car behind would have taken off. Out of fear, is it? Correct. Yeah, but people shouldn't have to do that. People shouldn't have to be. That's almost intimidation. Like, you shouldn't have to engage in that. I know, Neil, but look, like, not everything is perfect in life. You know, not everything is perfect in life. You know? And I I won't go down a different road. I'll give you a scenario similar. But the thing is, it's it's like I'm two years waiting for a refund from uh, a deposit where I was renting for 10 years. And it was an exemplary tenant. Yeah, I know. That's heartbreaking, isn't it? It's heartbreaking. Yes, he re- the, the landlord millionaire refuses to give me back my deposit. I'll have to go through the proper authorities to get it back. And I have fantastic references from the previous owner of the same property over 10 years. And look, that's that's another thing. Well, regarding life, life regarding the taxis, that lady, I, I can't apologise enough to the lady. Obviously... Um, to make make anyone aware who's in Reardon's, have a look around the corner at Chambers. You know, people, uh, the taxis should be coming down over Clark's Bridge, pulling into the right. You know, but the thing is, like, there's no nightclubs as such open properly yet. You know? Let me get some more calls on it. Thanks for taking okay. the call. Um, right. Covered a lot of ground there. One of the things that stood out there for me is the uh, pop limit on earnings per day, per night and per week. And that, um, you know, uh, that has to be kept low. 
And the way you keep that low is by refusing to take credit card fares and just cash only. Calls on the way, text 0868104106 after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Are they on the pup by any chance? Uh, there's a damn good chance, yes. Uh, did the driver not get funded for putting the card machines in in the first place? Don't know anything about that, but there's got to be a reason as to why they won't take cards and only take cash, and it could be the pup limit. People are better off downloading free now for their taxi journey, especially late at night. Much safer option. You can pay with the card every time. Yeah, but even that's a problem. Even told it's even a problem not trying to get a taxi in Cork. Uh, I never heard of paying for a taxi with a card. In fairness, there's a lot of ATM machines around the Cork City area, says Billy. Um, cash should be king, though. It should always be acceptable as legal tender, shouldn't it? I mean, like you would think that people would be... Uh, cash starved um, and also maybe the credit card issue is just that it takes a little bit too long for them to get paid through the credit card system but still in all it's it's still an acceptable form whether it's cash or a card why didn't he just stop at the ATM on the road on the way home everything's wrong with society these days morning I'm a retired taxi driver and I drove for 35 years I'm 99.9% certain that these guys are on the pup and working they just don't want a paper trail another one not all taxi car taxis have card readers and they're not required to do so. Okay, well she said, Natalie said that in the case of the four taxis that refused her, all of them did. Myself and my wife had the same experience on Saturday night across some Anglesey Street Garda station, cash only. It was so wet we were glad to get the taxi. Uh, we walked from a party at the Imperial Hotel, uh, says Ray. Let me have a look at that again. Uh, cash only. It was so wet we were glad to get the taxi. You just paid cash anyway just to get yourself home. <coughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't really mind if you had the cash. But in this case, many people don't carry cash and the younger generations don't carry cash. They really and truly don't. It's all credit. It's all debit cards, cards and, and Revolut these days. Anyway, William, good morning. Good morning. I think people should stay at your destination. My apologies. Um, Sorry, I have the wrong line. Who's that? My apologies. I gave the wrong number. My apologies. No, no, you're okay. Just, just, uh, just hold on a second. I'll come back to you in one second. Just hold on. Let me just talk to, to William and to get his thoughts on air. William, good morning. Good morning, Nate. Now, uh, you're also a taxi driver. Go ahead. I am. No. First of all, you do not have to carry a credit card machine. No, I personally, I have a machine... And I also use what I think is the greatest thing of all time, Revolut. Yeah, that, I think I, that, I think Revolut is just fantastic, right? So I carry them. But the law at the moment states you do not have to have a machine. So you're entitled to cash. No, if you get onto a bus here and bus tomorrow, we'll just say from Wilton into town. They do not accept debit and credit cards. Did they before? No, they never did. Okay. Right? So they so they're also public service vehicles. They do not accept them. Right. If you open up a shop or a restaurant or a pub in the morning, you have the right to accept cash only because cash is legal tender, as far as I know, in this country. Unless, unless somebody's changed the law, no, cash, is, is, cash is, is legal tender. So you have the right to accept cash. Now, just to explain regarding the pop payment, which I myself am not claiming, you are entitled to earn a hundred and twenty euros. Sorry, it's actually wrong. It's four hundred and eighty euros in a four-week period after your expenses. Yeah, it's 120 a week then, yeah. Yeah, after yeah, expenses. But, it, it, but, but it, the, the, way they, the way they order it, it's 480 per, for every four weeks after your expenses. Right, so you take your diesel, your insurance, everything else out of it, right? So regarding the, the, these guys in the pub and these four t- 
taxi drivers, they have the right to just say, I want cash and I want cash only. Even if they have um, a card even reader? If, even if they have, because it is not the law at the moment. Like if, if you go into a, a public... No, no, they have a public service license, a PSV yes, license but, to drive the it, public home. If yes, they have a card reader in the card in the car and the punter doesn't have cash, they are obliged by their license to take them home, surely. No? No. Hell with the phone lines this morning, lads. Apologies for that, but uh, I'll endeavour to do the best I can with it. Um, it's just one of those things. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. Back after these. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Okay, I talked to John after 10, but let's see if William's line's any better. William? Hi, Neil. How are you? Okay, sorry about that. I got about maybe two and a half minutes. So, so go ahead. What point were you making? Okay. So, like, let's go back to the credit card. As I said, I, I have a credit card machine, and it's actually fantastic because I get it's in my account the following working day. So, this, 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 so I personally, I've not always taken credit card. It's in the, it's, as I said, it's in your account the following day. Revolut, as you know, is fantastic. It's in your Revolut account instantly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. at the moment, the regulations state you do not have to accept credit card or debit card payments. Now, as I said, that is changing, and when that changes, then. You can make formal complaints to the NTA. But why have the reader in the car? Well, that, ask them. I, I have no idea. They, look, it doesn't matter whether they have the reader, Revolut, whatever. They still have the right to say, I'm only taking cash tonight. Why? Their own why? Because the regulations state they don't have to accept credit cards at the moment. I know that, they but why, why wouldn't... If they have the card reader in the car, why would they only insist on cash? They, 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 they won't take a fare... They'll send somebody away because it's not cash. You must know why. There must be a reason for that. Is it there, are they on the fiddle? Well, Neil, I have to say, to accuse people of being on the fiddle like you did and like Willie did a few minutes ago, which is absolutely outrageous. But, but tell me the reason I, I, why sorry, then. Sorry, sorry, Neil. Unless you have proof that people are fiddling the system, you can't be coming on air and making... A generalisation... William, that, hang on a second. Sorry, Will, sorry, Will said that it could William, be pop-related. William made the accusation that people who are accepting cash and are claiming the pup are doing so because they're fiddling the pup because of the 120 euros per week limit after expenses. That's a generalisation. But then give me a valid reason as to why somebody with a card reader in the car, four taxis in a row, would refuse, it, would refuse a girl who then Maybe was... Maybe it wasn't working. Maybe it wasn't working. <laughs> the no, four in a row working. weren't working. Hey, Maybe it wasn't working. Do you ever go in town and go to four ATMs in a row that weren't working? Well, why wouldn't they say, sorry, or my, why, I'm sorry, my, my, I ask a question. Did you ever go to four ATMs in town in a row that weren't working? No, never four. I've gone to maybe one or two in fairness, but. There's been a few that at times ATMs don't work. So maybe they weren't working. But as I said, it doesn't matter whether they were working or not. They have the right at the moment to say, I want cash. And until the regulation is brought in, there's nothing that anybody can do about it. As I said, it's like a shop. A shop has the right to say, I only want cash. And as I said to you, as far as I know in Ireland, cash is still legal tender. As much as the government and the banks and everybody else want us to go down the road of not carrying cash in our pocket, cash is legal tender. Then take the card reader out. They don't have to. They, they, have, they, they can do whatever they want. As I said, I have a card reader, I do Revolut, and I do cash. And what, once I'm paid by 
any of the three systems, I don't really care. You're happy. You don't care how you get it. And and, and as I said, I think everybody should have revolution. It's the best system of all time. Okay. All right. Lines open at 1-850-104-106. Text 0868-104-106. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Music Station of the Year. Cork's Red FM. All right, I'll stay with this for a while because I see more calls and texts coming in on it. Uh, Liam is standing by, so is Robert. First up, John, good morning. John, can you hear me all right? No, that's not happening. Let's see if I've got uh, two different people on the same phone line there, guys. Liam? Hello? Can you hear me all right? Hello? I can hear you now, Neil. Yeah. Okay, my apologies. I'm having problems with phone lines this morning. Anyway. No, you're uh, fine. Are, I are, had you, my turn. No, are you a taxi driver? I am indeed. All right, go ahead. No, I've never been on pub because I'm a pensioner, you know, and I've been off the road for a year and three months. I, through my own, you know, that was my own decision. Okay. But well, was that, were you just, was that because you were just, you know, conscious of COVID? I and didn't, yeah, like? I've been safe. Yeah, yeah been Grant, safe, you know. Grant, 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 go ahead. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. No, there's only two things. First of all, about this girl, about the four taxi drivers that they had card readers. I have a card reader for years. Um, what, if you don't want to use it, they're not wired into the car. Why would you have it on display? I don't believe that, you see. I have mine in my glove compartment, and most if people say, can I use a car? And I, I never refuse a car. But it's in my glove compartment. But the, fifth yeah, taxi dri- the fifth taxi driver said to her, and I quote, when she got into the taxi car, the, the co-op car, he says, why wouldn't I accept cards? He said, all taxis have card readers why wouldn't I accept your fare? No, he's not telling me. No, that's not absolutely true. I'll tell you why, no. You know, the older guys are guys that are just walking the streets. They're not with any cop. Anyone that's with a company has, has a card reader. Right. Or the company insisting they know. But anyone walking the street, you're not obliged to have it need. I have mine in my glove compartment. I could say, no, I, I don't have one. But I, I never do. But the whole point is, why would you have it displayed if you would want to use it? I mean, that's, I don't believe that story you see about the four or whatever, like, you know? You don't believe she's I, telling the truth? She is telling the truth. I don't. Well, I don't believe she is. Because if you don't want to use your card, you just turn into a glove compartment and just say, hey, you're not obliged to have one. You know? You I see, know what you're saying, and I agree with you. Like, I have one for years, so I have no problem with... with and you, as, as the, the previous guy said, you get paid so promptly, you know, there's never a bother, I've never had a bother with it, you know? But one more point needs. A lot of the older guys, do you know I know taxi drivers that have no smartphone? And you have to have a smartphone to have a card reader to get the app up, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, some of the old fellas, I still have just the old button phones, you know what I mean? So there are an amount of taxis in Cork that do legitimately only take cash because they don't have yeah. the reader. Yeah. And the ones that have the readers are working for companies like the co-op yeah. or, um, you yeah. know, satellite yeah, or satellite, sun cabs satellite, or whatever. But the whole point is, like, all I'm, the point I was making is now you're not obliged. It's in the dash. It's not wired into the car. So if you don't want to use it, why have it on display? Like, I, that's the point. I can't see. Like, it seems to be, but it would be stupid. I wouldn't it to have it displayed and then tell them that you, you're not taking it, you know? 
My money going by what she said to me. That's I know, I know, I, I, need, I, know. I, I know you, you are. See, if you see, if we're talking at a time now when the city is dangerous at night and we're hearing about legislation going through the doll regarding stalking or what have you, we oh, want yeah, people to I be know. safe on the streets and you don't want a young mother traipsing around in the dark looking for an ATM machine. I understand, I totally understand all this now. All I'm saying to you is about when you say that they had him, she said they had him on display and this other guy said they had him and all this. Look, all I can say is like, to me, it seems very stupid if you don't want to use it to have it up in front of you, you know? Okay, thanks for that. Much obliged, John. Good morning. Neil, how's it going? Good, okay. You're a taxi driver. What are your I thoughts on? What's going on then? Neil, like, first of all, can I correct you there? No, you turned around and said you don't want a young girl traipsing around the city at night time. First of all, when they come up to the car, not everyone will ask you, first of all, do you take card, right? Not every driver has it, like, like that last driver, that last driver said, you know, not everybody takes a visa or debit card. You know what I mean? No, no, no. She opened the door of the taxi and she was right. asked if she had cash. She didn't oh, ask, right, do you right, take a car? You, you see, I didn't catch the cash. No, fair play. And I'm happy to update it because yeah, I actually yeah. have the notes on her here. She said, I opened the car door right. of the first taxi and I was told before I got in if I had cash. I told right. him I didn't. So he told me, do not get in. Yeah. Well, normally what I would say, there, only like, like, like a lot of us would say, actually, they come up to the car like, and, and I'd say, uh, just to let you know in advance, look, I don't actually take care. I don't have the facility for care. You know what I mean? But that's fair and enough. That's, they that's say there's no problem. And, and like, if they have, and even if they do come up to the care, Neil, and they have, they, they say, do you take care? Or we say no. But look, listen, I can bring you to a bank machine on your way. Where are you heading for? And I can get you the closest bank machine to your home. You know what I mean? No. Another thing is that, like, some people might come up, they might have 10 euro, eight euros in cash, right? Their fare might be a tenner, Neil, right? Yeah. And they'll say, look, I only have eight euros, and I, but I have my card. I can pay by card. And we say, look, listen, eight euros is close enough. Christ's sake, we're not gonna, you're not going to leave the country for two euros. Do you know what I mean? And that's brilliant. And they're you know? the kind of stories that we're used to hearing. But I'm ju- you know? I just want to know if, there's, if something is going on with regards to pop and cash and, on, you know, uh, and, and a little like, bit of this for me. And I, never, I never claimed the pop. I walked the whole way through the pandemic. I actually met you in Satan Town a few times. Fair I met him inside town, so I walked the whole way through it because a lot of us, a lot of us do school runs. No, you know what I mean, and like you know, so we were, we were walking around all the school runs. And then oh, where'd I meet you? Did I meet you chatting with Jordan on Patrick's yeah, 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 yeah. If you want to know what's going on in the city, stop and chat with taxi drivers. That's what I always say. There you go. But like Neil, like I tell you, know, I give a good a good example. So there was a certain bear in the north side of the city that, that I picked up customers at one night, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's a public house, isn't it? Yeah. And we're a public service vehicle. Yeah. Right. So I deflect the customer and bring them down to the bank because the bear didn't take a card. Didn't right? take a they card. Ordered, they, ordered, they didn't take a card. So they ordered two points of Heineken. And the, the bear was at 75, so he cash here. Do you know what I mean? Are they obliged to have credit card no, facilities. No, they're not. They're not. Somebody said to me as well, I just saw a text coming in there, Sumber saying that there's a bookies in the city that has a sign up. What was the wording of that one? A sign saying uh, no cards, cash only. Um, so, and that's, well, bookies, that, I, I, and that's I, a bookies. I for no, but what I'm saying is like, right, so Neil, if you paid me my card, we say I picked you up on a Friday evening, a Friday night, on a Saturday night, and you're fair with 38 euros, right? No, 
just just put it in perspective here now. So all my work for the whole of Saturday night or Friday night is card payments only, right? Yeah. I probably wouldn't get that money till Tuesday into my bank. But that's like, the way the world is going. There's a complete generation of people who are probably 40 is, and under don't carry cash. But, but right, but that's fine. But you know, when you go to work, when you go to work on Monday to Friday, like, you're paid, on, you're paid on Thursday, you're paid Thursday evening, you're paid Friday morning. It's paid into your bank. That's fine. But you know you're guaranteed your money every, like, you could get into my car and your fare could be eight euros. You could tap the card, right? Yeah. No. Not all the time the tap, the tap will go through. But you mightn't have enough in your funds to cover that. But it'll say it to me on my, it'll say it to me on my card reader that payment accepted. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so de- deal done. So you, 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 you've been so paid. Like nobody, nobody, does anybody actually get a wage packet on a Friday with cash in it anymore? No. Oh, no, I say now it goes into the bank. Yeah. It goes into the bank. But like, I mean, like, but if we were to live on card payments only, like, like, you know. Would like, that be like, a problem? You, you, I would, of course, because you could work one day, you might have only 62 euros, and you might get that in three days' time. Do you know what I'm saying? And then you have to wait another three days or, or, or four days for it to go through your account again. And, you know, that could, that could, be, that could be worth 110 euros, chat. No, I understand. I understand what you understand you're what I mean? you, that, yeah. Like, yeah. You're, you're staggering your money in so many days. I mean, like, we all, have, we all have mortgages to pay. We all have bills to pay. We all have carry payments. Like, you go to the NCT centre, Neil. If I rang my NCT today, right, and book my NCT for tomorrow, for my taxi, right? And I go tomorrow and I give them my card. They'll tell me, go away and get cash. They don't take card. <laughs> the NCT? The NCT don't take card payments. If you get your they car NCT, ca- they do. Oh, you get they, cars NCT all the time, they take cards. They take cash. The NCT in Little Island? Well, I go to Blairney, they take cash. The NCT in Little Island takes cards, because I'm tapping right. all of the time. No problem. Well, that's only a new thing, so because it was always only cash. All right. Any, anyway, you're saying there's nothing to be read into four taxis in a row in the pouring rain, half past ten on a Thursday night, only taking cash. There's no story there. Well, like, Neil, they don't have to take cash, or they don't have to take care of it. This is the thing. It's not, leg- okay. it's not legislation. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's a cash money job. Like, you can go to certain shops and say, you know, Neil, and they don't take care I went and got a service kit for my car last week. And... The, the, the motor didn't have a card machine. Yeah, yeah. I just think there's something different about a public service vehicle. But then again, there I'm, I'm being told the bus errand doesn't take a debit bus card. Air, bus errand don't take card. They have the leap card. If you don't have a leap card, you pay cash. All right, let me get some more calls on and let you get back to it. Thanks for that, John. Right. Cheers. Robert, good morning. How are you getting on? Good. Uh, you wanted to pick up on this. Are you a taxi driver? Yes, I am, yeah. Okay, and your thoughts? Do you um, take cards? Uh, no, because I don't have the machine in my car leg. But I'm I'm working for a tank cabs. I'm one of the base drivers. I just want to say there is one. Uh, there is more than one way of taking a payment. For example, uh, with our company, you can open the account, and if you're a le- regular customer, you pay weekly, monthly, whatever's comfortable for you. Like another thing, if the people are looking into a manual and uh, customers are not uh, aware of this, there is just a very few. Uh, reasons why the driver can refuse the journey. One of them, if the customer is abused with the alcohol, if it's aggressive, if yeah. he's carrying the food and drink, yeah, I accept if he has that. a pet, yeah. and if the journey is longer than 30 kilometers, he can refuse it. So, well, well, why, why would you want to refuse a long distance fare? Yeah, well, you don't. That's the thing. But I'm saying, this is written in a manual. 
but the customers are not aware of this. Like another thing, at the taxi rank, customers uh, uh, can take any taxi uh, it like. It doesn't have to be the first one or the last one. For example, you like this car, you like this driver, you take him, and that's it. People don't realize that also, like because a lot of drivers are saying, pick the first. Yeah, one, but that's a very one. that's a very dodgy <laughs> rule, and I tell you why. It allows people who are racist to be racist. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So unfortunately. maybe they should uh, take the I next available. Him. You see, I don't blame them because uh, every single one of us has a little bit different experience with the drivers uh, uh, or, 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 or situations uh, like. No, no, so, you, you, know. you, you should you should not be picking the taxi that takes you home based on the color of the driver's skin. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, the, the life is like, I'm not trying to talk about that. Uh, I'm just trying to say that I'm uh, uh, the lady that, that that evening. Yeah, that that matters. There is always ATM on the way. And uh, I, um, I always stop in the mirror in, in the case like this and, and everything, everything is like, I don't know. I'm absolutely disgusted like, when I'm listening to it. Like, you know, so that, that four drivers that four drivers yeah. would say cash listen, only, don't get it. Twenty five quid. It's a money like yeah, I don't know, they don't like it, but Terry, good morning. Thank you for that, Robert. Terry, go ahead. Good morning, Danny. I'm good, my man. Are you a taxi driver? I am. I okay. am. Okay, I see am. you. Um, no, I, I just found out for the answer. Like I mean I can girl was going to Balancolic. Yeah. No, I can't hear you, man. Try again. So I just saying I don't take care of myself personally. Right. Um, but I, most people, when they open the door, they'll ask you, "Do you take care?" If you say no, but I stop in the ATM, that's ninety-nine percent of the job. You know, there's no one. Like no one kind of walks away when they say you don't take care. They just say you'll stop on the way. And why don't you take a card? Is there a reason for it? Um, not particularly. I work for free now as well, and most people use their card on that. So, and you don't need a card reader. It's all done through the, the free now app. So I don't need a card reader for free now. Yeah, but if a cash customer walks up to you, you'll take the cash customer. But if you, if if, if a punter comes up to you, opens the door, and said, um, "Do you take cards?" You'll say. I, 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 no. I, I can't. I, I don't have the facility for a bus. If you want, we'll stop at an ATM. Right, so if why don't want to so do that? They'll, they'll have to move to the next So, day. so, so why don't you get a card reader so you can then take everybody and anybody? Yeah, I just never, never seen the. I didn't ever think the need for the majority work now is done through free now. As I said, like I mean, they they have kind of the majority market share anyway. Okay. All right. And, and do, do you think that this system is good enough when we're when we're trying to get young people home safely? No, I mean, I, I don't know why they refused and I don't know why they didn't use their cards. Like, you can't, you can't comment on it. You, you, don't, you weren't there, you don't know why they said that. Um, but, like, could they have, did they offer to stop at an ATM? No, nothing, no, no, no. Open the, open the door of the car. The first taxi driver asked me before I got in if I had cash, which I didn't, so he told me, don't get in. I opened the door of the second car to be told the same thing. It happened to the first four taxis in the pouring rain, a young girl trying to get home. I was getting very nervous that I wouldn't be able to get any of these taxis without having to go to an ATM, which I hate doing on my own at night in case I'm approached and robbed. That, that's unacceptable, Neil. That's yeah, unacceptable. I would have thought so. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's unacceptable. But at the same time, we'll just take, go back to free now. You can set up a free now account in two minutes. You can log in even with your Facebook and attach your car to it. 
so there's no need to go through there. You can have a car, you can all work out for now using your cars. You'd have an account set up in under, under three minutes. Yeah, but then you have to book a taxi, don't you? Well, you just order one through the app. Press and someone will accept this. They'll know that if it's a cash or a car job. And you go from there. Okay, okay. So the idea of just jumping into a taxi or jumping into a cab is gone. You have to do a bit more planning then. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you no, can always get into a car in the rank. But uh, again, as a lot of drivers have alluded to, there is no legal requirement to carry a car reader. Okay, well, thank you for that. I learn something new every day. Right, thanks, Terry. Appreciate it. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red. FM. And you can pick up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Right, I'm going to just take one more on this and then perhaps come back to text on it a little later on. Um, but uh, actually, I'm surprised that many people had as many opinions on uh, cash or card. You think the world is changing, that it would be all card everywhere now as the generations change. Many just don't carry. I mean, my son, my daughter, no, never have any cash. It's all Revolut this and debit card that. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you keeping? You have that super famous and very tasty Knockadoon Peninsula chipper, isn't it? That's right, the lobster pot, Neil. That's the yep. one, that's the one. Happy days a couple of years back and the sun shining down there eating your fish and chips. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I was just listening there to your comments there about the car readers. Um, when I opened up there, I'm running seven years now. It was all cash. There was no such thing as a car reader and nobody looked for car readers. Yeah. But but as the years went on, you'd have the odd person to know, do you take care? And we weren't taking care. But two years ago, there was about 80% of people coming to the catering trailer. Do you have care? Do you take care? And I said, sorry, no, we don't take care. And those people were walking away. So you were turning away potentially 80% of your business that time two yes, years ago. I was, Neil, yes. They were, they were going away. There was one particular lady. She went to the local shop in Belmacourt and got fuel for her care. And she got some money back from the care machine there. Yeah. And came back and bought some fish and chips. Yeah, yeah. So I decided then it was time to start looking into this because I was losing customers. And I did look into it, and I got a card machine, and I can say with hand and half now, there's 90% of my trade is all going card. That high, really? 90%? That high. Yeah. 90% of people and are all going card. Of all age groups, is it all different age profiles? All, all the age groups, from children up from 9, 10 years of age, everything. If my own daughter, she just went to secondary school there now, two, two years, she has her car, and as you know yourself, they have it on the phone out to just tap, tap, tap. There is no sign of cash. So you wouldn't actually be still in business without it, you wouldn't? You'd be broke. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be open, Ian, let's be honest. I wouldn't be open if I didn't. One weekend, my car machine was down, and my, my intake for the weekend was down 60%. God almighty, it must be an awful thing turning customers away, hungry customers. Yeah. yeah. So then we put in a second system, so if one goes down, we have a backup, you know? I've seen, I often wonder how it happens because I've seen it down in Port McGee for time to time. The, the signal is so bad down there, you know, because um, a lot of the time you are using uh, broadband and Wi-Fi signal, aren't you? Or off your phone and stuff. But that, that, Yes, that was it. I've seen, I've seen chaos down in, in areas where um, the systems are down for the entire night, where the cards aren't working. And, they, and I often wonder, because they have tourists from all over Europe trying to pay for their meal... And I wonder, how do they ever get the money off them? Yes, well, I was in a similar situation. Like they have the food, they have the food eaten. They have, that's right. I had a similar situation. And um, I got a technician in 
and we like people come up to pay, get their food or pay for their food and the next thing the card machine would freeze and it may be an hour's time to be walking but that, that was no good to me so we got a booster unit in so touch wood it has walked away for the last two years now we've no issues with it yeah. you know, so our signal is flying in great story know? great but story those, pe- those people that it's not their fault it's not the customer's fault but those things happen that's the internet system that we have in Ireland at the moment I mean, the, day, the days of cash as king are gone, really, aren't they? Those days. Is, yes, are gone, yes. But I was saying to Seamus there earlier on, I was at my local barber in Middleton there, saying flyings most of the time, and other barbers and other people are doing away with cash machines. Are doing away with the card readers. There are just says cash only. Why? I don't know. don't know. It's probably the chairs that's on the machines. It might take, this, the system that they have might be too costly to operate the... Uh, possibly, right. possibly. I hope that's yes. the that's the reason because that's a legitimate reason. You'd hate to think that there yes. were other reasons for it. But anyway, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and how was the summer for you down Nakadoon Way? Busy, I'd say. Oh, it was very busy. That walk in Nakadoon is very popular, isn't it? But, um, yeah, it's beautiful. COVID and things lifted up. There's more places have opened up, so it has spread the crowds around in Tiol and Ballycotton, which suits everybody. It's not as crowded, but it's, it's still a very popular walk and popular beach area, you know? Mm-hmm. Where are you getting your fish, incidentally? Landed fresh, I'd say, every day, is it? Well, we're, yes, we're getting it from something belly cotton seafood. I have brothers and nephews fishing ourselves. I fish myself before and not fishing now, obviously, because we're too busy with the catering units. But all our fish is brought in fresh every day. And we just processed and we give out fresh fish. That's why it's so famous. Yeah, it certainly and is. It we, certainly is. We batter it ourselves straight just before it goes into the fryers. <laughs> so there's nothing pre-cooked or anything like that. Everything uh, is fresh out over the counter and away you go. I've had it. I've had it. It's delicious. Good yeah. man yourself. Thanks, John. Thanks for picking up okay, the phone. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Gorgeous place, Nakadoon, lads. If you haven't been down there, head eastwards. Another one that I went to, a fabulous chipper, is the one, the Dursey Deli, down at uh, the at Dursey, where you just get the ferry over to Dersey Island. There is Murphy's Dersey Deli there. Unbelievable. And they as well have a fishing background themselves. So it's been landed fresh every day. It's just a different league entirely, you know, when you're literally getting it on the day. Lines open at 1850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. Let me go back to the phone lines. I'll come back to this later if you wish. Karina, good morning. Hi, how are you? Now, you need a bit of, you need a bit of help. Would you mind sharing the story first and see what we can do? So, um... Yeah, I'm looking to somebody. Last Saturday, my 14-year-old daughter was in a skateboarding accident that knocked her out. She jumped up with bad footwear. A skateboard that wasn't hers and lashing her in, so it wasn't ideal. Where was that? And, and down in Glasheen. She was in Sandy Mount Avenue in Glasheen. That's near the so Cope Foundation area. It was literally at Cope Foundation's front door. Was she, was she unconscious? She was. Oh, she was. She has um, um, a four. She has a four centimeter opening in her head. So she landed backwards, got knocked out for a couple of seconds, and a nurse who was doing her driving test apparently stopped and helped her. So rang the ambulance, stayed with her until myself and my husband arrived, and I didn't catch her name. She ran back to the driving instructor, and I just wanted to thank her. So your daughter was unconscious for a few seconds and split her head open. Filipino yeah. nurse was driving with the driving instructor, pulled over, rang yeah. the ambulance. Actually, Did she... when, it, when my daughter fell, the whole road was obstructed. It was in the middle of the road. Nobody could pass. 
So I wasn't there now when she stopped, obviously, but what I can imagine, she said, what's going on here? I better get out. And realised that, like, there was blood everywhere. Did she staunch the blood? Because clearly with a wound like that, there would have been blood. Yeah, there was a lot of blood. Um, so, yeah, so she actually stayed. She rang the ambulance. She stayed until myself and my husband arrived. And she ran back. I didn't even get a, t- a chance to thank her, let alone get her name. She just said, I better go, you know, the, the meter's running kind of thing. And ran back. What? When did you get to the scene? Quickly? Um, yeah, about eight minutes later. Okay, and how is your daughter? I mean, the ambulance arrived. What happened next? Yeah, she was brought in, kept for seven hours for concussion, and she's fine. She went back to school today. She's in second year. Went back to school today. Her head was sore and her ego was sore as well. Janie Mac can be dangerous, yeah. can't we? It must have been a. It was, and it wasn't her skateboard. I don't know why she thought it was a, a good idea, but these things happens with happen with they youngsters. Do. No helmet, I they suppose. Yeah, yeah. No, of course not. No. Yeah. So no. you're looking to find you're looking to find the nurse. I am. I am. I actually we we had another family to thank as well. Um, Kathleen and Hillary. They were they're living in Sandy Mount. So we called them yesterday, and I just thought, how will I track down this nurse? So I got onto yourself. Okay, so this happened last Saturday afternoon. Saturday, half five, half, half five. Half five. Yeah, round about yeah. the Glashian Road area um, near the Cope Foundation uh, Nurse yeah. Okay, and you just wanted to get in touch with her, say thank you, bouquet yeah. of flowers, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? She was with a driving instructor. I didn't even get, catch his name, so he might be listening if he was out in the car. You well, know. If, you, if the driving instructor is listening, he or she will he'll know the client, so we'll be able to find yeah, her that that's way. It. That's we we usually that. have good success with things like this, you know, so yeah. hopefully this will yeah, also I be hope, the case. I hope we do find her. Okay, let's leave it there and see how we get on and your daughter will make a full recovery um, sure. and, uh, and, and helmets and your own skateboard from now on, says you. Yeah, or, or neither. I'd be happy with either. either. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Were you that nurse? Were you that driving instructor? Get in touch. Text 0868104106. There you go, Karina. Let's see what Thank happens. You. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Uh, some disturbing emails uh, during the week there with regards to uh, emotional, financial and uh, physical abuse um, and uh, got quite an amount of response with regards to one or two of those emails from a woman who was really suffering uh, you know, financial abuse for many, many, many years. I think she said something like 18 years. Uh, and some texts on that. I've been there. Thankfully, I found the courage to get out. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do, but it's worse to be abused and controlled. I hope you're doing a little better now. It takes a strong woman to stand up for herself. It does make you stronger. Patricia says that is pure mental torture to go through that for so long. And there you are trying to scrimp and save and shop and to have a few pounds left over. Imagine every week that person went shopping and the thoughts that were going through her mind. Maybe she wanted to buy something extra. She must have known that she must have known the same shopping list off by heart. When I go shopping, I could come home with anything I choose. Sadly, I can see that this is not always the case. I'm so glad you're out of that relationship now, but it would take you a long time to get over that in your mind. Uh, Catherine says, pure mental torture to put a woman through that. I've been there. It demoralizes you. Being controlled by a man in a marriage or a relationship is no different in any way, shape or form to physical abuse. No lady, no woman deserves this. There are many that can help. Please don't live like this. No woman should be controlled. And um, This has opened up so many memories for me. If the phone bill was over the quota, that was taken from my weekly payment. Um, oh, dear me. If, or if I use too many fire lighters one week, I dare not buy more for at least another fortnight. I could go on and on with the controlling atmosphere. Please remember, it's not easy to find a way out. 
do not be controlled in relationships. Um, another one here from Caroline. So many women are living these lives and are afraid to leave. Hopefully, uh, this woman and others like her in this situation will find the courage to leave and have happier lives. Um, Darren says, when I was a child, I watched my dad do the exact same thing to my mother. She would work her butt off and he would take all her money every week. Uh, and if she didn't, I often watched the beatings. She finally plucked up the courage to leave him and get on with her life. And to this day, she is my hero. No woman deserves any life of a dog, of a so-called man. If I ever come across that excuse of a man, I do time in prison. One final one. Patricia says, there are many, many narcissistic people out there, men and women. All the women often get the raw deal. Um, I agree with the poster. You don't always see the wood for the trees when you're in it. You are also often too embarrassed to tell anyone about the life that you are living. So thank you for those texts to 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Phil, good morning. Oh, good morning, Neil. How are you? Yesterday we were chatting about smoking and uh, a proposal that all smoking outdoors should be banned. Um, your thoughts on that? Well, the way I think of it, um, we're like dictatorship. But it's a miracle I'm alive and my mother lived to be in her 80s. Because long ago when people had their babies, there was no such thing as a nursery. You, they were in the, the bed next to you in the little cot. And you'd have your visitors, your family, your neighbours, and everybody would be smoking. And there could be six to eight women in, in one ward. So can you imagine the amount of smoke? <laughs> six to eight women in the ward having given birth smoking? No, they're visitors. They're visitors. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Okay. Yeah, there would. Yeah, in all in all hospital wards back in the day, people would be in visiting, having a fag at the side of the bed. It was bizarre, wasn't it? Well, yes, and that's what I said. I mean, we've all the science about smoking is bad for you. Well, it can't be good for you, probably. But how do we all survive? How do my mother survive? I mean, she had all these people around her smoking. There could be six people at one bed. There could be four or five. There could be eight or nine people. And that smoking was cont- contained in that ward, and the the babies in the little cot. Yeah, but a lot of them didn't. A lot of them didn't survive. They got cancer of the lungs and died. You know. Well, I don't know what I'm doing here, so. <laughs> You're still smoking. I am. I'm making an effort now. I'm getting help, Neil, because for the first time now, I just have to give them up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the the expense one. That's my main problem. How much is it? How much is the twenty bucks of fags now? Uh, I pay fourteen, fifteen for a packet, and there's twenty three in the packet, John Clare Red. But uh, they would be way cheaper than, say, John Clare Blue or whatever. They'd be both maybe a euro more. So, uh, uh, so how many? Is there more than twenty in a box now? Is there? You can get 23s, 24s, I think. And would that be like 27? Would, be like, would that be like 20? Would that be like 15 euro a box? Yes. yes. So that's a, so if you smoke a box a day, and some do, well, that's 100 a week. Two. You smoke two? About, yeah. Oh, I would. At least. 30 euro a day. 100. I don't, I, I don't go out. Then. That's 210 euro a week. Yeah, well. I retired, I don't go out, I don't buy clothes, nothing, I don't need anything, I'm old. 
good. That's all I have, and I love my cigarettes. And you love it, yeah. You love it. You see, you don't yeah. you don't begrudge spending two hundred a week. I don't. I wish I didn't because the government's getting so much of that it makes me sick. But I'm getting help now, Neil. At the minute, I've had one session, and I well, I knew I wouldn't get get through it with one session. No, I'm not smoking anything like that now. This I had this about two weeks ago, and. I can go through a day now, maybe with 15, and days I've gone through with 10. And I was never able to do that before. 40 is an awful lot, though, isn't it? Well, when I used to smoke 80. A day? Yeah. You must have never had one out of your hand. No, never. Even at night time. No, I don't smoke in the bedroom now anymore, and I haven't done for years. I'd wake about every hour, and I'd have three or four cigarettes. And then I'd go to sleep for another hour and I'd wake and I'd have another three or four. But it's just too dangerous now, so I do not smoke in the bedroom. So you would you would go to bed and after an hour or two you would wake up, smoke a cigarette, is it, and go back to sleep? Or smoke yeah, two or three? three. Or four. Yeah, I'd four yeah, about three or four at least. Yeah. You get back to sleep for how long? Well, probably another hour, an hour and a half. Wake up again? Yes. Smoke and another three or four? Would, yeah, and the packet would be next to my bed. So That's very strange. I mean, that, that does that not sound strange to you? Um, well, I know a lot of people that will do it, that still smoke in the bedroom. But, you see, I, mean, see, I just, you know, I know everybody says it's the nicotine. To me, it's a habit. If I, It's an I addiction, Phil. It's, it's an addiction. It's an addiction, yeah. Oh, I know it's an addiction. I know, Neil, I know that. But that I'm smoking 60 years. No, I wouldn't have been smoking that amount, you know. But I, I suppose for, you know, we were going to school and you could buy the loose cigarettes that time. But do you regret the day you picked up the first one? Uh, I don't, because I never thought about it that way. Well, think about but it now. If you had your time oh, back over oh, again now, I, would you... Oh, if I had my time back over, I wouldn't touch a cigarette. Yeah, well, that, because, that says a lot. Yeah, because my grandchild now, well, I have four, but one and his girlfriend, neither of them smoke. They tried it, they didn't like it. And honest to God, no, I would never smoke if I was down in their place, and I would never smoke in anybody's house or car. And the same if I was going to a restaurant. Do you know when they when they opened the pubs outside dining and you had to buy, you know, a meal? Yeah. And the barrows and the silver key. Yeah. And I would, if there was people at a table already and they didn't have an ashtray on the table, I would not sit at that table. So I would move up if there was another table available. Yeah. And like yesterday somebody said... You know, to have a smoking area and have a non-smoking area. Well, if the place was busy, do you mean to tell me that a non-smoker wouldn't come up and take a table up in the smoking area and they'd give out then about people smoking around them? <laughs> I know, but... <laughs> they have no right to give out smoke and giving out to somebody smoking in a smoking area. Just don't. No, but I, I don't think they do. Right. And okay. it's just habit. And I think, you know, we were young, we, we all smoked. No, they're, they're much better now. They don't start smoking. And anyway, they couldn't afford the price. There's no need to tell you the truth. 
it's a lot of money for you to be spending on a weekly basis. Imagine if you were still smoking the 80, how much you'd be spending. It's an awful lot of money. I know, but to sleep well right. then, I had money. I was walking. I All right, listen, stay healthy, healthy, stay wealthy, stay wise. Look after yourself. Take care, Phil. Cheers. All right. Okay, me. very sad news this morning, lads. Very, very sad news. I'm just hearing it in the last few minutes that Billa has died at the age of 91. The great Billa Connell has passed away and uh, we were just in touch with the family a few minutes' time and they have confirmed that the wonderful, wonderful man, wonderful man, uh, has passed away at the age of 91. And uh, my thoughts are with his wife, Nell, and the family and the children and the grandchildren and everyone who anyone who knew him um, or saw him perform or knew him as a, as a wonderful corkman. It's just so sad. I mean... It's the circle of life for all of us, I know. And, uh, you know, these things happen. And as, you know, life goes on, we, we hear of more of our characters and our wonderful people on Lee's side who gave of their entire life to entertaining and being kind and being wonderful, wonderful people um, passing away. And this morning, it's the sad, sad news I have to announce that Billa has passed away at the age of 91. I'll come back to that in a, in a few minutes' time. Um, but God only knows that we know these days are coming. And uh, it was only last week, actually, um, that I was watching again the Cork performance of the Late Late Show from, I think, the early, I think the early 80s. It was, it was one of the classics. And it was during that Late Late performance that Billa stood up and he gave for me one of the greatest performances of his life. Are you not having a drink, Billa? God, you sell the stuff. You might as well taste it now. <laughs> I'm sure it's all right. Will I do it here? You do it wherever you want there. You are like... like <laughs> being... Will you forget that you're here in Studio One, is it? The Studio, Studio One, yes, 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 yes. And forget that you're here in Studio One and come with me to a place called Bellyfehan. And I will tell you about a holy or a party that my mother gave in our kitchen in New Year's Eve in a place called Bellyfehan. Now, I'm sure that you've never met me, but I know one is Gushikehan. I was born in the flat of the city. We have a house now in Bellevian. Now, I'm not going to give me history, but I lack you the facts to believe when I tell it the holy in our house what me may give in New Year's Eve. They see me brother, he was just home from Dagenham. And to make sure he wouldn't feel dull, me dad says, we'll turn out holy before he goes back to John Bull. <laughs> we invited all our neighbours and we told them dear friends to tell and we even invited Aunt Aggie and she's some Sunday as well. Oh. <laughs> well here, the talent, the talent that night was smashing. We had tenors and we had crooners like Bing. And if Joe Lynch was there that evening, we wouldn't have asked him to sing. <laughs> Me, me dear, he was drinking all evening. He came home, it was about half as nine. But was beamish what won the old battle. <laughs> he collapsed and me sang all anxiety. Now, me mother, me mother sprung up from the corner and she called me dear for a steve. And our vehicle, our vehicle, what knew what was coming? <laughs> with his tail near his legs, took his leg. <laughs> me father stood up with a stagger. <coughs> All right, says he. All little me. And me mother, as proud as a peacock, 
says the bank to me one lovely lady. <laughs> well, the law preserve us, but he started his singing. Me poor Aunt Daggy turned blue. And how he sang Cork's ancient anthem, I'll explain. That's if I can feel. <laughs> now, would you be it? <laughs> <laughs> a lover, the wild friends, you're Look in the air, keep on holding. Me father says, let me get out. And me mother, she bounced in his bald head. Sit down, she said, I break your mouth. <laughs> now, I doubt, I doubt if you met me sister. She's the eldest. You know Lizzie me, eh? <laughs> well, she was dying to bring her filly. And she was asking me mother all day. So when we heard the knock of the front door, we knew that the lovebirds were there. And me man says, no, I want no black hair. <laughs> and I hope I makes me stand clear. May God rest the heroes of Ireland. Oh, for our customs and freedom are brave. But if they saw Lizzie Mace fella, they'd surely turn in their graves. He had hair, his hair was like Yule Benners. His nose and his ears were like pigs. He was dressed, he was dressed like a young undertaker. With his trousers so tight round his legs. Me, me mother got all kind of flustered. <laughs> My gosh, she said, yeah. <laughs> You're a proper old top. <laughs> and me dare shouts, he's like a coal hanger. <laughs> All a straw hanging down from my loft. <laughs> well, here, I thought me dare would be sent to the cleaners. <laughs> but was Lizzie kept so bled bay. And she, she, if he'll all keep a cool head. Her dinny was sink straight away. Twas me brother what called for the order. And he fared us twice for the glee. Then Dinny, with the walk of a bull player, he now said he sing it. Uh, I try Katari. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm calling. I'm calling. <laughs> My beloved, what shall I do? <laughs> you break my heart. My love is all. <laughs> I'm doing it for you. <laughs> then a neighbor, a neighbor turned to me, brother. And she, she, you're escaping too long. So stand up, me boy, in your hind legs, and sing us a fine Irish song. Me brother got all kind of awkward. Now she say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you'll call me a lawyer. But the lads, what I, what I walks with in Dagenham, they says me voice is like Brendan Byers. <laughs> well, here, he started his roaring and screeching. <laughs> we all broke into a skit. And the holes broken from the backyard. Twas the dog in another fit. <laughs> well, Aaron, all the way home. 
Oh, just a little, I'm sorry. Oh, please. And I ran all the way. And I ran all the way. Me mother, me mother sat there looking speechless. And me father collapsed on the mat. So come here, I want you. They must have been from the children to rear an old Egypt like that. <laughs> but there's one thing I'll always remember, and it gives me poor heart to thrill. Well, I think some one of me neighbors who danced the reel with great skill. She made me feel proud I was Irish. She enchanted me more and more. And when I tried to be certain after, I was like Mike Murphy. And he flaked in the floor. <laughs> Eighty two, nineteen eighty two, the incredibly talented, wonderful, witty, gorgeous Bella Connell on the late, late show. And we're so saddened to hear of the passing of and the word legend is overused, but he is one of Cork's great legends. Uh, and a great old friend of mine, Bill O'Connell, at the age of 91. He passed away at a quarter to seven this morning. Um, and we have this morning spoken to his beloved wife, Nell, just in the last few minutes. And she said that uh, Bill would, would would love the tribute uh, that he's going to get from his old friend, Neil. And um, this is a man who, of course, he earned the freedom of the city, an honorary degree from UCC, best known performer in pantomimes. He did his very first one back in... 1947 and was a regular cast member of Pantomimes down through the years, not to mention the years of Summer Revels. And he was a great sparring part partner of the late uh, Paddy Comerford, another incredibly witty, talented man. And we chatted on the air on many occasions down through the years and we would laugh and sing and uh, he just loved his city. He just was absolutely in love with the city and his family and his friends. And it's a very, very sad morning this morning of the passing uh, of Billa. He used to call me Jungfla. He'd say, come here, young fella, young fella, young fella. Don't know if he ever actually called me by name. It was always young fella. It's very, very sad. Bill O'Connell, may he rest in peace. And our thoughts are with all of the family. Uh, we're back after 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Cork's Red FM, officially Ireland's music station of the year. Sadly, the sunshine is somewhat dimmed with the news this morning that the one and only Billa Connell has died at the age of 91. A fabulous, fabulous character. And of course, for many years, worked for Beamish and Crawford, or as he said himself, Beamish. And you'd often meet him in uh, different pubs and he would call, as reps did for many years, into the different public houses, taking the orders. It was as much taking the orders as having the crack and the banter with the publicans and the customers. Uh, and he always had stories to tell in time for people of all ages, the late Billa. Um, and I played a clip there from the Late Late Show from back in 1982 and it was a monologue that he just stood up and did. That was the talent of the man. No notes, nothing. No script, nothing. All 
from the head. Um, and John McCroom says, that Late Late Show was the best ever. We always had to play it for our uncle when he came home from England, says John McCroom. Anthony says, I'm so sad to hear of the passing of Billa. I attended secondary school with his son. He was the ultimate gentleman, Billa, and a sad, sad loss. Uh, another person here, just three words, an absolute genius, Billa R.I.P. It's inevitable that we all must ultimately pass, but it doesn't make it any less of a con- consolation to us to know that uh, another great, great Cork man passed away at a quarter to seven this morning. Bill O'Connell. He was a great friend uh, of, of Paddy O'Brien. Paddy joins me by phone. Paddy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. A great, a great loss to call. He was a lovely man. I knew him for many, many, many years. I knew him before he joined Beamish's. He worked in the Thompson's. In the bakery, did he? Really? He was a land driver there for many years. Then on to Beamish's. Perhaps the one thing about I admire them all my life. I had them on many occasions as a guest uh, um, guest artist at the Opera House at the overseas talent competition. I booked them and I loved them very much for the simple reason that he was a clean comedian. All his jokes were clean. All his jokes of real genuine things that had situations that happened in Cork. And um, behind the scenes, he did great work for charity. Yeah. Wonderful yeah. work for charity. And if uh, people sitting down to organize an event, if they're organizing it, the Father Matthew Hall, the Age Hall, or the Opera House, it was always Bill Conway. He was a great, he was a great job. He was a, a natural. I remember, you won't remember because you're probably, you're, you are too young, uh, uh, Neil, and there was a, a, a comedian, Neil, Pre- and, uh, what's your name, Neil Prendival, <laughs> Ignatius, Com- Ignatius Comerford. Ignatius Comerford, I do remember him, yes. We were very good. Well, well, when he passed away, people were saying, the opera house is finished, the pantos are finished, but who came along? I call him the, the new Ignatius Comerford. Now, what's Bella? He was just fantastic, fantastic. And he was fantastic. a double act for a long time, wasn't he, with Paddy Comerford, the two of them? With Paddy Comerford, with Paddy Comerford. Both very talented people, two lovely, lovely people. And they were lovely people to make to meet in person. You'd have a chat with them, you know. Yeah. And um, again, I repeat myself. How did he get started? I mean, you say he worked as a van driver for Thompson's. And then he, of course, was a rep with, with Bamish for years and years. But how did he get yeah. started on the stage, I wonder? Do you know? It, uh, well, I know that he was since a young boy. Yeah, I believe he's. I believe from what he, he, if I've gone back thinking rightly, that was in the AOH. He started in, in the Father Matthew Hall. Yeah, and he was in sh- shows over there, and his talent was spotted. And um, like he was doing well, even around the time Ignatius Comfort was there, he was sort of I use the expression cock expression. He was kind of second fiddle to um, Ignatius Comfort. But when and the passing of Ignatius, he took over, and he was just fantastic. Because for and years. Years and years it would have been pantomimes at the Opera House. But let us not forget that for many, many years, for over two decades, a thing called Summer Revels would run all summer in the Opera House. That's right. That's right. Would run for weeks and weeks. And people could never understand that the Opera House would be full. I mean, there were many occasions, on many occasions, to see the show. And it was a great draw, fantastic all together. And... Um, they did, they did a bit of travelling around the country then themselves. And as you rightly said, uh, he was in partnership with, uh, uh, um, uh, what was his name? Paddy Comerford. Paddy Comerford. Paddy Comerford, yeah. A man from Brownie Street, former exam office man. They were great buddies, they were great friends. And wouldn't I, and the things that happened on the stage. I mean, I remember, I remember once going with my late wife and a week later going with my, bringing my mother along. And just a different show, the comments that were made. 
funny. I remember there was a hospital bed. I remember there was a hospital bed. I'll always remember the scene. Um, I, 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 was, I was in a bit of trouble with the Department of Health. And I was, I was giving out, giving out, oh, people couldn't get into the hospital. And it was a big scene. And he was in bed, Paddy Comet was in bed. And she uh, <laughs> comes in, the lad comes in and him. And he says, I want to get out of this bed. And he said, no, you stay in bed. If you want, he says, I get John to Paddy O'Brien, he says, and he'll be on to me if we're talking about you, you know? <laughs> I believe it's not. He, he, was, he was impossible to keep on script, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in, impossible. He was impossible. People told me he was only hard to work with. But I tell you what about him. <laughs> I'm running the over 60s, 45 years. I never in my life, in my life, saw anyone so nervous before they go on stage. Go away. They let Connell five minutes before they go on to it, a diff- a man, a, he's just a different person completely. I can just visualize him now, up and down, up and down behind the screen, up and down, you want to talk, right by, you'd say, I'd say, a two minute billet, right by, right by, right, right, right by, stock, old stock, okay, old stock, okay, bye, I'm all right. And he's taking his deep breaths. <laughs> and he goes on the stage, and you'd imagine now that, Jesus, he's taking his strike. He wasn't, he walked very hard on his stuff, and he was um, like, he was nervous. He was nervous going from the stage. Yeah. He always ran a first that show. You wonder he how he managed to do all of that and then still, you know, work as a rep with Beamish and Crawford for over 30 years, rare a family, do, you know, all of the commitments that he had. Um, he, he, he just, he must have just been a ball of energy all of his life. He must have been. And I believe, I believe that, I mean, I, I never saw him actually in a pub um, coming in as a salesman, but he was always very decent. Oh, I, I do remember him. I, I can remember him yeah, yeah. Um, like as if yeah. it was only yesterday. He'd call in and everybody would have, you know, the great chats with him and he'd, he'd hold court, you know. Well, what he would do then is he'd put on a bit of a show for five or ten minutes, tell him a few jokes, off again and they'll all laugh. And he'd always buy a few pints. Oh yeah, always. He would jam. He'd always would. We were just chatting there to Finbar at the Flying Enterprise. The lads were just chatting with him because they were great mates. Yeah. And he said, and Finbar was saying that Billa was into him twice for his dinner in the last few weeks. Um, so he must, he, must have, he must have passed quite quickly the misfortune. Um, he, was, he was sick for a while. And I, he wasn't I, well I for a while, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't well. And I was always thinking his birthday was on Christmas Day. But a lovely thing about him is this, a lovely thing about him is this, uh, I was often in his company with me around the place now and the shows and all that and I'm like, would book him. His wife, Nell, always came into the conversation. Yeah. His yeah. wife, Nell. Yeah. He adored his wife and his family. He was a great family man. And he went out, he went out night after night during the all night to, to rear his family. I mean, to, to, to make a living. Uh, but that didn't start off going out, uh, going out to make people fun, make people laugh. No, oh, it was a slog. Oh, yeah. Year in, year out, show after show after show. It, you know. After show, after show. Hard work. And it, was, it, it, was, it, was hard, it was hard work. And then a lot of traveling shows in as well. And there was a great group of them there. There was a great group of uh, actors there. Well, there was, because you'd have had Paddy Comerford <laughs> and you'd have had Bill O'Connell. And at the same time, Neil Tobin would have been flying. Joe Lynch would have been doing his thing. Um, you know. The, the the list is that I mean that show that late late show in eighty two really showed the amount of talent that we had you know exactly and I remember I was on the road at that time and I was travelling all over Munster and when did the people knew me up in Clare or down in Waterford or when I was, was travelling and they'd say 
the, 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 that cock show. That was great talent in cock. And people said things like, that was the best late night show I ever saw in my life. And that was a great tribute to the people who performed on the stage that night, you know. And um, yeah, no, he was great. He was great. And um, he was an awful man to slag you from the, uh, in the audience, you know. I remember I'd seen him, I saw him 40 years ago, more, <laughs> 50 years ago in Cove. And he was, it was a festival there, and um, he did an open-air concert, and there were Americans there. And I remember standing there, these Americans, and he, he was telling jokes, and he sang, and he sang The Banks, and he sang Danny Boy. I'd love to get a good version of Billa doing The Banks. That was his song, wasn't it? The Banks was lovely, his song. Lovely, lovely. And this American says to me, that guy should be over in America. He's great. He's a great showman. That was a comment that the Americans made. He, he was so good. Yeah. And I think he got, he got fish off. But he was, he was talented, and that was his own script. All the people are depending on script writers, because his own script, he made up his own script. Very and sad. as you said, yeah. When, yeah. when he's on the stage, you'd have to just be prepared. What's going oh, happen. listen, what's I know, and it's sad, it's sad to hear of his passing, but we need to celebrate his life as well, you know. Man who, exactly. who, a man exactly. who 100% earned the freedom of the city. City and an honorary oh, yeah, degree did. from UCC. Yeah, that's what that's this. He did, yeah, he yeah. did. And he lived to a great age. My God, 90, 91. 91 years of age. And he, never got a, he was the same, Bill O'Connell, for years and years and years. He looked the same, he was a fit man. And he was a great, he was a great boss man. He was a great cock supporter. Great man for the whole lane. Great, great, great friend of Joe Lynch, of, um, of, um, of, of, of Jack Lynch as well. He, he was, yeah, that's right. He was, he was a great, a, a great friend indeed, yeah. And uh, nobody could say anything but Jack Lynch in, in a, or any place. Yeah. Everybody would, he would praise him, and rightly so too. I remember him saying once, "All us cop people, we must, we must stick together, like you know." He said, "Very sad, very sad." That was a terminology. I was just, I remember once a great terminology <clears throat> that he used was um, he referred to a person as old stock, you know. Yeah, and. Yeah. Um, I won't mention his name in Cork. Uh, he was a little bit snobbish and he was doing a show from the, from the country club, the Montanati Hotel now. And Billy was running the cabaret and he says to him, he says to him, old stock, five minutes, you know, that was five minutes. The old man went over really and said, listen, my name is, mention his name. Don't you ever get call me old stock. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's very, very funny. He's a lovely man. Okay, Paddy, listen, thanks for coming on, paying that lovely tribute to the late Bill O'Connell. I do appreciate it. Um, I've got another, thank you, but thank you so much. My name Paddy. I'm just going back to that show, actually, that Opera House show um, of um, the Late Late Show from 1982. Here's another clip because uh, Bill was in his element that night, in his element. One of the things that are rare about Cork is nicknames. Yes. I suppose every city is the same, but Cork particularly has nicknamed. And Bill, I think, knows a fair bit about the oh, nicknames that, yeah, that sure. are associated yeah, with him. All cities have nicknames, but yeah. in Cox Street, we know I can start off and you can all hip on. You have Moly Makes. <laughs> Robert Tyres. Robert Tyres. <laughs> Ducky, Ducky, Ducky Newmore. Yeah. <laughs> Honey Balty. Slugs in the gallon. Don't cry for me, Connie. Slobby Malone. Slobby? Slobby Malone. I was going to keep Slobby to last. Dickie Glue. Dickie Glue, yeah. 
Yeah. The number slab you do. Yeah. 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 There was slab. We all know slabby belongs on cocktails, don't we, really? Yeah. There was about five or six sons of the slabby himself. Right? He had six <laughs> sons, right? <laughs> and they never walked in their lives, though. Never, never walked. All they walked they did was the mining cars that matches outside the opera house, you know? So the father, when one of the sons got married, you know, as a wedding present, he gave his son the right hand side of the South Man. <laughs> there's, a sto- there's a story told that when, when the father was uh, very bad, they sent for the doctor, right? So the doctor was upstairs, and all the sons were downstairs waiting there, and the news about the bed, the doctor. So the doctor came down, and the eldest son said to him, Well, doctor, what's the news? I have very bad news for you, says the doctor. Your father will never walk again. <laughs> One more fantastic story about the Stabby Malones. He was living in the north side. Right there, Tobin? The oh. north side? Uh, Up in Grant. But he used to work in the south side. <laughs> but that's the only place there was money, Joe. Come you, No, no, Bill, that's the only place there was soft money. Stabby was going up in the... They were living in They were living in Spangler. Was that in Spangler Hill? Well, he was going up in the Spangler Hill bus on Saturday. Stabby, you know, right? He's in the last bus, he's sitting down like, you know? And the conductor, fierce peace and Stabby's... Cheers, yeah. What a driver. What a driver. And the conductor said to him, Slab, what's your problem? I tell you what he is, Mrs. Fear, what a driver. <laughs> Didn't your driver know what he was driving the bus? I tell you, no, my problem. I was, I was outside the approach this morning. Fear, what a driver. And then the American came along, he says, you know, the old job I have there, mind the cars. And then the American came along, says he, with the cars, see, that wit and that lint. Fear, while a driver. <laughs> and see, he tried to back it into his PS, that size. Mr. America says, I, if you back that car in there, here, I'll kiss your ass. Fear, <laughs> while a driver. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show, on Twitter, at NeilRedFM. On the back of my own Well, before we end the On the back of my own he sang that beautifully, and that's just a short little clip from some event that must have been happening in the city where he was singing to the crowd, his beloved Cork crowd, he loved more than anyone else. And that's uh, the late Bill O'Connell, who passed away this morning, early this morning, the age of 91. Sad news, a Cork icon, RIP Billa. Many more just texting here, texting 0868104106, just saying thank you for the laughs, thank you for the memories, Billa. And lots of people, of course, would have uh, grown up uh, whether it was Panto or whether it was Summer Revels or maybe you were in business and you knew him and maybe he helped you at some stage in life. The late uh, Bill O'Connell, I've, we've isolated another one or two clips of Bill actually. The, up to now, I've been playing little bits from the the, um, the Late Late Show from 1982, but of course he goes much further back than that. And actually, many people would have performed with him down through the years, whether it would have been on the boards of the Opera House or maybe the Everyman or maybe Father Matthew Hall or other places like that uh, and I, I remember actually wanting to have to talk I, about, about six months ago I, I was in touch with Bill and the family wondering if he wanted to just come on air and have a bit of an old chat and a bit of an atter and he, he wasn't great then he wasn't he wasn't too bad but he just wasn't up for it at the time um, and uh, you know you often think my god uh, you know 
wasted opportunities when, you know, somebody that you're so close to and, and have so much time for you didn't spend more time with them. But I suppose that's just the way life is. There are other gorgeous clips of him, actually. And this goes back to, uh, I think, round about 1970, I think. Round about 1970. Here's Bella again in action. Down memory lane, let's live a while When youth was full and free To the days when golden hours we spent In Cork beside the Lee Let us think of the friends that we knew and loved Whose courage and hopes we recall Whose dreams we shared Whose help we asked Whose handshake it stood for all For a moment or two Let's forget this review Recall memories of old I bring them to you Open up your old brain box And, and throw away the key And we'll talk of good old days Spent in Cork by the Lee Now pardon me sir Would you hold your wife's hand a while It's a good many years Since you walked down the aisle Just an old fashioned lady with old-fashioned ways And a smile that means welcome to you And the angels above Talk the way how to love To that old-fashioned love of mine when you did your courting, aye, old scamp, did you wax up a gaza to put out the lamp? No, you walked in the gas house for a tanner a day. You gave an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. You'd say I worked hard, but I don't give a damn. You were looking forward to Sunday for a spin in that tram. Take the cock summer show. Lord Mam Shooter's Band And the music The music me daza By the Baraka Band On the old wagonettes Happy days we did spend All the neighbours to cross her For the August weekend And to pay the old gadget She we'd find a client And a good pint of porter T'was only tuppence a pint And boy what a pint If it went to your head you were doomed straight away Three or four days in bed We'd come home up Cars Hill We'd be all singing still The old songs God bless them But the old songs were always the best We had songs by the score That we sing o'er and o'er As the golden sun sank in the west And she's only a bird in a gilded cage A beautiful sight to see And as we go back down memory lane To the days that used to be Let us whisper a prayer for absent friends Whose faces we long to see And as we think perhaps a tear would fall what matter no shame t'would be For a tear A tear prompts a prayer I'm sure that's the need Today in Cork by the Lee Memories Memories 
sitting here in absolute awe at his captivating talent. Charlotte O'Byrne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I mean, I'm, I'm, sp- I'm so sad to I hear know. this news this morning. You very, go very back sad. so far with the great Billa since you were very, very small, isn't that right? I was a tiny tot in uh, Eileen Cavanagh School of Dancing, and that was in the days of the old Opera House. Yeah. But Billa, Billa, well, I remember Billa mostly when I was about 17. And we had the longest running show in ever in Cork. What was that? It was the, in the AOH Hall on Morrison's Island. Yeah. It was up Cork. It was written by the late Mac Bryan, who used to write all the scripts for the pantomimes in the opera house. Go away. Now, uh, Bill, I was in that. He was the dame. And I was in four, four of them. I was in uh, one or two earlier ones when I was younger. But um, the 1961 is the one I was Billa's daughter in it. <laughs> and we had four boxes as dressing rooms each side of the AOH Hall. You just you know? got rolled up the sleeves and got on with it. 16 weeks, <laughs> every night, Sunday included, for 16 solid weeks. And no one got sick. We had patch houses. And as a matter of fact, the AOH, the AOH made so much money, they built Flower Lodge. Get away. And yeah. 16 weeks run. And, and, and he, yes. just got, he just got on. He never complained. Night after night, rearing a family, we never, a, day, we a job to sick. go. We were never sick. Yeah. And we sang and we did it all. But to put, then we went on tour on tour now, out to Stuart Hall, all the small halls out around the county. And uh, we had, we rolled up the scenery on the top of a a, a van. And, uh, oh, we had great times. I know, I know, I know. We we really had. And then in the other one that stands out in my mind is there was a panto and I was a fairy queen, but there was one scene I had to change character in, and Paddy Comerford and Billa were the uh, the ugly sisters. Was in this the in the house. opera house now? This day, yes, Charlotte. Yeah, this was in the opera house. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. And um, in the first scene of the opening half, we had a British, a British um, director. Can't think of his name just off the top of my head yeah, now. Okay. And um, we had a scene, and I had to change costume from the fairy queen. And I was in um, a, a, I was a, a fortune teller out at a kind of um, a scene that they kind of put into the panto, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And Billa and Paddy Comerford uh, had a crystal ball and I had my caravan and everything. And the two of them came on. Well, every night, I will never, ever forget it. I had to keep a straight face, I, and they had a big ball in front of the two of them. And Paddy and Billa, they were saying, we gaze into the crystal ball, and all of this, and I just had to keep serious, and they ad-libbed the whole, that whole bit. You couldn't keep them on script, No. <laughs> no, uh, Bill had lived quite a bit, but he always, one thing I always remember, he always said to me, I was, I was good at picking him up, and we'd get back onto the script, you know, <laughs> you but I toured as well for years and years with um, with the uh, Sean O'Shea and uh, Olive Cullen and 
a lot of the artists in Cork at the time, and we toured in Cabaret all over Munster. Amazing, isn't it? At the it? time, yeah. Amazing. And I'd say then, himself and Comerford yeah. were great characters together, were they? They must have been fierce messers. Uh, they were the best. <laughs> but I was in a couple of plays, straight plays, with the late James N. Healy. Oh my God, uh, really? You really, you really mixed with the greats. I, I did. We, we, we were wonderful in Cork. We had all the talent in Cork. Saw James N. on that 82 Opera House show. Have you seen that one? Uh, oh, I have it on tape, yes. Yes. Unbelievable. And uh, yeah, on the night I was down with Noel Magner, actually, there was um, a, a thing going on down there in, um, it was a Silver Springs, I think it was. And uh, we were watching it. We were watching it on, on the big screen, you know? Yeah. Very sad, isn't it? That, um, you know, I think you were saying to the lads, you're heartbroken because uh, all, all of your colleagues that you performed yes. alongside are, are passing away. They're all, they've passed away. I was in 21 Swans shows. 21 no, Swans? 21 Swans show with Pat Sullivan, Noel Barrett and Paddy Collin and all of them. And they're all passed away. So the Swans were separate to Summer Revels, which was separate to we all of the pantomimes. We were way pantomime. before pantomime. Summer Revels. We were way before it because Paddy Harris used to write it. And... Um, um, it was different altogether from. Did you know? The, um, did you know all down through the years that Billa was special? I mean, he was in a different league. It must have been apparent working with him that you were dealing he, with a genius. He was. You see, he. Do you know he used to get sick in the dressing rooms? And do you know he said to me a few times in the opera house. Now during that pa- particular pantomime, he used to say the memorari. Is that a prayer? And he'd come out the memorari, the prayer. You know, he'd be that and nervous. He, he actually got sick in the sink, in the sink in the dressing room a few times. Yeah, and you'd but never notice it like he's out on the stage as if he's in his own front room. And he'd walk out onto the stage, and he got the audience in the palm of his hands. He, you know, he kind of had he had great timing. Oh, timing's what it's all about, yeah. Which is all about. But he had this kind of a charisma and he came across to the audience and there was one other time in a panto. I wasn't in, I can't remember now rightly if I were in that pantomime, but um, there were ugly sisters in it, right? You see, I spent 10 years in New York and when I came back, I used to come back every Christmas and I'd go into the panto that time, you know? Mm -hmm. But anyway... They were in the scene in the bedroom and um, they were getting into bed, the ugly sisters. <laughs> That'd be himself and, and Paddy. Got, uh, himself and Paddy. <laughs> and they got into the bed anyway. <laughs> and but before they got in, they'd look under the bed to see if the potty was there. <laughs> the potty. The chamber. Just to say, oh, the chamber. <laughs> anyway, they got into the bed and there was a little girl in the front row with her mummy. <laughs> and she shouted up, the whole place erupted. She said, you fool, you never said your prayers, you fool, she said. And he says, oh my God, he hopped out of the bed and the two knelt over the side of the bed and they said their prayers. The whole opera house erupted. <laughs> You know, I, I could tell so many stories. I hear, you're, I hear that you also are an amazing singer, they tell me. Oh, I sang, I sang. I was a singer as well. I, I did everything. I was a dancer, a singer, an actor. And then I produced all the Chops of the Tones That's in Sunbeam. Right. That's right. Remember the day I was on with you? That's right. Sunbeam? Oh, my God, I'm losing my mind. You're, 
you're sharper you than me. me. You were telling me all about your mother. That's right, a sunbeam girl, yeah, yeah. And we yeah. went over the time, you were, we were late with the news and everything. <laughs> and Pat Talbot, at the time, I was in the Sunbeam Girls, the show, that time. That's right. And Pat Talbot, the yeah. director, that time, well, he was the producer, Marion White was the director, and he came on to me after I had my interview with you, and he said, um, Charlotte, you talk for Ireland. You would, girl. But listen, <laughs> I can't think of a better subject to be talking about than paying, paying tribute to the great Bill O'Connell. So, uh, Charlotte, yes. thank you so yes. much for that. It's a sad day for you, I know. I mean, I, I know it's, it's sad, sad for all of us, you know, but especially I have so many memories of, of Bill and all, all those that were were wonderful at that time. Yes, thank you for reminiscing with me this morning. Mind yourself, and Charlotte. thank you, Neil. Take and care. And it's wonderful listening to you. I love your programme, especially during the pandemic. I was, uh, I was looking forward to it every morning. You're so kind. Thanks, Charlotte. Mind yourself. <laughs> Thanks for the laughs, now. girl. God Thanks God for bless. the laughs. Thanks for the laughs. Uh, to City Hall we go, to the offices of the Lord Mayor, Colm Kelleher. Colm, good morning, Lord Mayor. Good morning, Neil. Uh, well, we're marking the passing of a, of a true Corkonian this morning at the age of, of 91. It's inevitable that we all must go, but it's a sad day nonetheless, isn't it? It's a sad day for our city. We've lost a true treasure. Uh, we've lost a true Corkonian. And on behalf of Cork City Council and the elected members of Cork City Council, I'd just like to extend my condolences to uh, his family. Um, an absolute gem and uh, we'll never see the likes of them again. Mm, I know, and that's not, you know, that's sometimes very easily said, but in this case, it is true, because he was the mould breaker. Those that came after him really mimicked him an awful lot in many ways, of, uh, certainly with regards to, to pantomime, that he was the original dame. Many came afterwards, but to a large extent, they copied him. They did, they did. And look, when he came afterwards, I didn't know him personally, you know, I had the privilege of meeting him once in City Hall, all right. Um, he was awarded the Freedom of the City by a predecessor of mine called Sir John Buttermore yeah. uh, back in 2013, I believe. Um, but, like, you know, he uh, had the, uh, the the clips from the Late Late Show on there and, uh, you know, prior to coming on there, um, I can just, I had a quick look on YouTube myself and I can remember watching that as, as a young fella and uh, one thing that always kind of jumped out to me is when he was on about um, meeting meet, meet women at the top of Parkland Street uh, meet you by the statue you know um, <laughs> it wouldn't be it wouldn't be it wouldn't be for the match you know I meet you by the statue on the Mangan's clock that's right, that's right. and if you didn't know what the statue was you weren't from Cork like, and he was the know? kind of guy you could have great crack with him but he'd he'd wither you with a look or a comment you know he was well able like he was well able in that way in typical uh, Cork I, form a typical car farmer, very witty, and, and you know it's all about delivery as well. I actually, um, prior to coming on uh, onto you here, I was I was doing another radio interview, and I was speaking with a colleague of yours, and uh, he would have uh, known Villa, and uh, he, he 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 told me an anecdote that uh, in later life he used to assume in Brookfield almost every day, and uh, he he'd be driving up there two mile an hour and uh, almost hitting every car on the way up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and uh, he used to do Santa in the city as well. You know, uh, look, we've, we've, we, we, we've, as you said, we're all going the same direction. There's none of us getting out alive. But, um, you know, it's, it's never easy when it comes. It isn't. Days. It's inevitable that this day would come and has come for mm. many, but it's still sad yeah. nonetheless. And our thoughts are with all of the fine. Will you open a book of condolences, I wonder, Lord Mayor? 
Yes, I've spoken with Corporate Affairs and uh, we will be opening one at that's in train in relation to um, COVID restrictions, you know, the the, the, the COVID kibosh that puts in everything. But, I, you know, we City Hall is back open for business. People are allowed in the public cultures. So, um, yes, we will be opening one, um, hopefully, at, uh, either late this evening or early tomorrow. OK, well, perhaps if there's an update on that, you can share it with us. But, um, I sir, will. Sir? I'll, I'll, I'll just, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, no, look, it's, it's, a, it's a sad day. It's never easy for when it comes, but look, um, it's going to happen to all of us, unfortunately. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Thank you for that, Lord Mayor. Thanks for stepping out. Appreciate it. So that book and condolence certainly will be available tomorrow. And uh, as soon as there's an update on that, if you'd like to sign it, it would be a lovely thing to do uh, to mark the respect that we have for the man. There would be a great opportunity to do it from tomorrow. Now, uh, Trevor Ryan is the director and uh, writer of uh, the Christmas Panto at the Opera House for some years now. And and before that, of course, himself... uh, um, was on, in, in many pantos. In fact, I was in three or four of them with him. Um, joins me by phone, actually. Trevor, good morning. Can you hear me all right, Trev? Yes, Neil. Good morning. Yeah, sad news this morning. Did you know him? You must have known him. I did, absolutely. Um, I knew him for about 40 years. He was my inspiration. Oh, my God, yeah, since you were... Yeah. And what were your inspiration? Was that the reason why you wanted to perform? Absolutely. And did you I mean, perform was- with him? I did. Um, I started going to the panto, I would say, I was eight, nine years of age, and I remember saying to my parents, I want to be up there. I want to be up there on that stage with Billa and with Paddy and with Noah Barrett and Pat Sullivan. They were just inspirations for me. Um, and I was very fortunate a number of years later, I suppose, to start in the chorus of the, the opera house panto, singing and dancing or whatever, and then I kind of worked my way up through the ranks. So the first panto I did with him was um, Aladdin. And he was with a twanky, and I was Emperor Achu. So I had designs on Widow Twanky and I wanted to marry her and make overtures towards her and so on and I was nervous as hell how old were you? because he was I was probably 23 or 24 and I was greyed up and I had beards and long hair and all that kind of stuff so were you nervous working alongside him for the first time? absolutely yeah yeah but I mean he was a consummate professional I mean he had the audience in the palm of his hand but I'm told you never knew what he was going to say or go off script or anything could come out of his mouth absolutely and and this particular night um, I'd say I lost concentration for a second and he was he was just about to deliver the punchline on, on a particular gag and I came in over him and he went, no, 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 no. Stop it there. No second. Oh, boy. I haven't finished. I haven't finished. Let me finish. And then it's your turn. And of course, the audience erupted and gave him the big round of applause or whatever, you know. Um, People would be waiting for those moments. like <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's guess what Charles was saying there earlier on. I mean, I do remember those bedroom scenes when, when Billa and Paddy were, would be the ugly sisters or whatever. And Paddy's thing always was himself and Billy were the best of friends, but but Paddy was a complete rogue and would always try and corpse Billy, which is, you know, as you know, in theatrical terminology, is to make someone laugh on stage. (laughs) And Paddy had an awful tongue. So they would be saying their prayers silently at the side of the bed or whatever, and Paddy would be uh, whispering terrible things into Billy's ear. (laughs) And and blinding him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And very hard for Billy then to kind of keep it together. But... um, he was an incredible, incredible entertainer. And in later um, years then, when you were, say, performing in Panto and Billa had retired, or indeed when you were directing the Opera House Pantos, as you do, would he ever be in the audience, do you know? He would, absolutely. I think the only one um, I've done the last um, six or seven, and the only one that he missed was Peter Pan um, two years ago. Yeah. 
So he would come back and he would meet Frank Mackey and myself um, and he was so humble. I mean, we were both in awe of this theatrical giant um, and he would come back and congratulate us. And it was very sad because, I mean, he was he was into his 80s at, at that point and he missed it. He missed it terribly and wanted to be up on that stage again. And did know? he say that? Um, I wish I could go oh, out there. He did, absolutely. And, you know, there was a t- one or two occasions where, you know, he did shed a tear because I think he had the happiest... I mean, he lived in the opera house. He was doing panto for six or seven weeks a year. He was doing summer revels for, for, for July and August and yeah. well into September. Yeah. So, I mean, half his, half his year was spent inside in the opera house. Um, and, yeah, I mean... He was just incredible. And I, I think one of the other memories for me was when we used to do some revels all those years ago um, and I would be part of the Montford Singers or whatever. So um, the, the, the last item just before the finale, just before the walk down, Billy would come on, he would give his anecdotes, he would do the last monologue, the last comic monologue. And one of the songs that he used to sing was, I don't actually know the title of it, but do you know that song? Just a song, a twilight, da 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 Yes, da, da. yes. Know what that, you know what the name of that song is. Yeah. My God, you could you you could hear a pin drop in the audience. I mean, it was just the most magical moment. He would start it, and the audience would join him, and then there'd be just the most amazing and tremendous round of applause for the man right at the end. It was just yeah. electrifying. And then he had all, all different facets to his life. There was the life you just described. There was the family man rearing a family. There was the day yeah. job. There was the pubs. There was the brewery. There was all these different strings to his bow. You know. Things that he held together and juggled them all, not a bother, never dropped a ball. Absolutely. And I mean, look, he was a star in the true sense of the word. And as Charlotte alluded to earlier on, I mean, a lot of the the, the, the greats, the theatrical giants of Cork, Michael Toomey, Paddy Comerford, Noel Barrett, Pat Sullivan, you know, all gone all gone to, to a higher ground, you yeah, know. I yeah. mean, the, the golden age of Cork theatre you know, was back in the 60s, 70s and 80s, you know. Um, Dick Healy, James N. Healy, I mean, God, theatrical stalwarts, you know. Lots um, of texts coming in to remember him and to wish him well. Yeah. Um, are you are you working on Panto now, considering all the COVID stuff? Where, where are you at there at the Opera House? Yes, we're doing something. I mean, the Opera House, the, the box office phone rings every five seconds asking, are we doing something? And we are. We're going to be back in the Opera House for Christmas. Um, and the Opera House, I know, will be making an announcement um, in the next couple of weeks. But we're back. Um, we have a show. We have a great show. And I tell you, we can't wait to, to get the, the kids uh, back into the, stuff. Into the okay. auditorium Let's again. Leave it at that positive thought then. Thank you so much, Trevor, for taking the call. Lovely tribute Thank from you. Trevor Ryan on the late uh, Bill O'Connell, who passed away this morning. Dennis McSweeney is the chair of the Everyman Board across on McCartan Street. Just a quick call to him. Dennis, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Yep. Very sad news. Um, clearly, you knew the man well. Yeah, I didn't actually. I, I didn't know him really well, but yeah. I mean, I knew him. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I, I I knew him just from just coming into his orbit, if you like, in all the things that Trevor was talking about. I I never performed with him, but God, he was just such a, a, a forever presence, you know, in theatre and corporate, particularly in the opera house. And he 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 just ha- it was a natural, a naturally talented, gifted mm. player. Mm. But that doesn't come easy. He worked at that constantly uh, you know he was an observer of people he knew his native people so well you know both their uh, 
you know their uh, visuals and their and and the sounds and and speech and and he was able to bring that to his. So character. you believe that that isn't a natural thing at all? That he worked at it, worked at it, studied, um, practiced, it's rehearsed. Yeah, basic talent. God gives you a basic talent, but by God, you have to polish it and you know and burnish it and and keep at it. And he did that. He was he, uh, as Trevor said, he was a consummate professional. You know, uh, stories about you know having fun and poking fun at rehearsals, but serious work and serious application, getting the job done, and being a bit merciless with people maybe who weren't coming up to the to the but then you know. <laughs> In, in 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 the next second, like flicking a practical joke, as you know, you know, pu- pulling ones with with Paddy Comerford and and so on, you know, that that was him. But he could only do that because he was such a professional and because he was so comfortable in his medium. And 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 you know, was he ever mani- Was he ever coaxed over across to McCartan Street at any time, or was it was he was he always an opera house boy? Well, he was an opera house boy, but obviously, when in the interregnum, when when uh, you know somebody had a match put to the old opera house, then obviously the the palace at that stage took over as yeah. the interim venue. You know, yeah. so yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. Uh, but you know, I mean, he treaded the boards of both, like yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. But yeah. he and others, you know, I mean, Father Matthew Hall and Father O'Leary Hall and all that, uh, they they were, you know, you you were you were favoured, you know, if Bill Billa came to uh, to perform there. And, you know, what he has taught uh, legions of, of players, you know, I mean, he would have, you know, the young ingenues who are playing opposite him, who would probably be terrified going on stage for the first time, maybe in a major to minor part. You, you would, know? like, it'd be like somebody going on with someone, like, um, you know, someone with a guitar and they're striking out on their own and they're doing a duet with Ed Sheeran kind of thing. It's that kind of level, you know? But he- he would put them at their ease, but then in the next instant, he would terrify them by these <laughs> improvisations of going off script, you know, I was referring to that. But, but again, he could do that because he was so comfortable there. You know, he belonged up there on he the did. stage he and he owned did. the stage and he, he owned the entire auditorium, you a know. sad, sad day. I wish I had more time, but um, I hope that we've done something in the way of a tribute to him this morning at short notice. You guys reopen tonight, I believe, with Heart of a Dog, don't you? After what, 550 we- days or something Small, smaller numbers but i mean we're delighted to to get open again it's it's awful to have uh, a, a hall like ours you know dark for so long and you you just feel that kind of you know moribund state in in the place and like a theater is a, an alive place where you bring magic to people and audiences and god are we so glad to be able to all right them. well listen good luck with that congratulations on being reopened again and thanks for those kind words on bill dennis take care of yourself cheers a lot of lovely texts on it as well he was born actually on christmas day 1929 was the late bill o'connell no words to describe this beautiful talented legend of a man billa the most professional man to share a stage with uh, a perfectionist and a gentleman. It was an honour to know and work with him. Uh, may you rest in peace up there with all of your best friends, uh, Shirley McCarthy, who worked alongside him. Condolences to the family and friends. A sad day for Cork. Great childhood memories brought so much laughter to so many generations, says Burr. Fiona says, R.I.P. Billa. I met Billa when I was a child in hospital. He was visiting his own grandchild at the time. His kindness stayed with me thinking of all who loved him. Rest in peace, Billa, says Samantha. I had a pleasure of knowing this man and working in his home for himself and his wife, Nell. What a character, thinking of all of the family. Rest in peace, Billa, says Bobby. 
thank you for the many laughs you brought to the people of Cork and far afield. Rosari says, my son met him on a boat to Cape Clear Island years ago. And to his surprise, Billa handed him his CD, which I cherish to have now. He was one of Cork's best. Shane said, what a Cork legend. The best when comedy was simply just comedy. I remember he had a bread and, ja- he had bread and jam sandwiches in my grandfather's holiday caravan down in Banna Beach in the late 80s. Noreen says, one of Cork's great gentlemen. I had the pleasure of meeting him in Canturk many years ago. May he rest in peace. So very sorry to hear Christmas pantos from my childhood in the opera house filled with Billa as the dame and his laughs and jokes were infectious. Condolences to all the family. All who knew him, we've lost a true gentleman, pure entertainer. May he rest in peace, says Denise. I leave you with one final piece of audio on the great, great Billa Connell. So I was saying that lately, a couple of years ago with you, remember we were speaking about different humours of different yes. places. And this, on my word of honour, this really happened to me, you know, on my... Get away, you long... On my word, I was up in Blackpool, and I met a woman, and uh, she came up by, she said, in the late, late, the other night, you were talking about different stories that happened and didn't happen. Well, she there was a neighbour up next to me, in Dominic Street, up by the old butter market. And she, she was married to a real old, an old pig of a fella, she said, an old King Kong of a fella. He used to come home, she see every Friday, there was about 14 to 15 children, and she see he used to come home every Friday night and drop a couple of shillings, be it the wife and frighten the children. <laughs> anyway, she see did tell the truth, she see, he died sudden. <laughs> and she the neighbours came in to lay him out and let him lay down and there were only two rooms out the old kitchen and the, the bedroom and she when they were laid out the neighbours came in to pay the bit of respects you see and this one came in and he was laid out and she came to you and she put out her hand and they was doing up by the fire and she goes up for no one is she she he's still warm <laughs> hot or cold she she he's gone out that door today <laughs> great Bill O'Connell. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.